Oh, oh, hi! The following is a conversation with Alisa Sokol. She's an astrophysicist. She wrote a thesis on black holes. She's got her PhD last year. She has a podcast as well that's called The Orphic, where she talks about all sorts of stuff around the universe, consciousness, uh, aliens. She's as well a starseed. If you know, you know. So we talk about her journey, her experience um, throughout the years of, of studying, a little bit about mental health, the universe, obviously stars, spirituality, and a few other things as always. My friends, this is the curious art of being human. If you want to support it, please make sure you subscribe to this channel, uh, give us a blue thumb, you know, uh, share it to whoever you think is interested about that. I think that is pretty much it. And now, Dr. Elisa Sokol. Let's f***ing go. Alisa, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Uh, we started to talk already, but um, can you uh, give just a quick little presentation of who you are, what you do, um, just to give a little bit of context before we get yes, into... definitely. Yeah. Okay, so my name is Alyssa Sokol. So I'm an astrophysicist. I have my PhD. I got my PhD in uh, December. Uh, so just about eight months ago is when I finished up. And I finished at, um, I did my PhD at UMass Amherst in Massachusetts. And I'm from New York. And um, so let's see, in general, like, I obviously, if I did a PhD in astrophysics, that means I'm pretty interested in the universe and space <laughs> yeah. but um i also right now am i'm very spiritual as well so really kind of what i am, am most focused on and doing in my life right now is bridging science and spirituality and understanding you know what i do on uh, on my own podcast the orphic and on my on my instagram page and everything is just um it's really just also following my natural curiosity. You know, the reason that I'm trying to do that is because that's naturally what keeps me up at night, right? Mm. It's not like anyone's forcing me to do this. It's yeah. like um, I love the universe and I love uh, astronomy and astrophysics and physics and math and uh, and science. And then I'm also, you know, I really just had this whole new spiritual world open up to me in this last few years and like my you know deepening my awakening and everything and i think i really do think that there's so much consciousness to the universe and i think the galaxies have consciousness to them i think the galaxies have souls and all these celestial bodies have souls and mm -hmm. what are we doing in academia we're just studying the surface level and nobody's talking about the soul of mother gaia <laughs> in yeah. academia and nobody's talking about you know, I just think that uh, it's very possible that this layer of consciousness of the universe is what is is what is a missing link to help us understand mm -hmm. everything. And so, yeah. so the way that I see it is there's a huge blind spot in academia that nobody's understanding mm. that there's a consciousness and that everything is alive and so i see that and i'm frustrated with it and i and so i go i'm gonna figure it out myself mm. um, and so so that's kind of what what i'm doing i really just mm. want to i i just truly i want to know how the whole universe works and um that's what i really care about and i just love yeah i love teaching i love teaching people about astronomy and 
and the universe and all this stuff and I've been into it for a while so I've kind of just always been like that space girl like it's you know even though <laughs> I like joke with some of my friends even though what I'm doing now is like a bit of a departure in terms of you know add in aliens add in a little bit more mm. spirituality and meditation and consciousness and all this stuff At the same time it's like uh that's since high school I've everyone knows I love space everyone knows I'm doing space things so it's mm. like yeah it's a little different but yeah. tracks <laughs> yeah what is the 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 thing in new york that you like the most but most people wouldn't get like something that is not usual uh talk about or yeah huh I was gonna say I feel like I have an inverse answer to that question because I feel like everyone likes New York City, but I don't like New York City. Oh, I have yeah. Inverse answer to that. Um, you know, I don't know. Like I'm more of a I'm definitely more of a nature, open air kind of person. Mm -hmm. So you know, where I I did my undergrad in upstate New York, um, where at Colgate University, where it was very rural and um beautiful like that and so it's kind of just funny all of my siblings naturally gravitate towards cities and and everything and i'm just always up in the mountains somewhere mm -hmm. um so i definitely kind of uh yeah and in general i'm like huh, i don't know anything else about new york i don't know it's a great it's a great melting pot i love mm -hmm. you know i do love uh i love that i grew up here and everything um But yeah, mm. I don't know if that really answered the question. But what, what is, yeah, what is the most uh, like how it's like to 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 grow up in in a place where, where it's like the place. Maybe I don't know if it's, if we could say that it's the most famous city. In oh, yeah. it's probably one of the most. If it's yeah, not the probably. most, like is there is it like more of a a myth, more of a like uh, glamorized, or is it really <laughs> the 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 friends like uh, yeah, the fr type friends. of life. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up uh, and I'm, I'm currently living um, on Long Island, which is about one hour outside of New York City. Mm. But it's it's close. And obviously growing up, we, we went into the city a lot. Um, and yeah, it's definitely I mean, I think for people that love cities, it's not over glamorized. And the people go in and they're like, ha. Huh. I go in and I'm like, this is dirty. <laughs> like, yeah. I need some air, need some fresh air, <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's uh, no, it it is a great it is a great city, and there's a lot going on. And I've recently, <laughs> I've kind of have been joking that the thing that has gotten me back into New York City lately is I have a Kundalini yoga studio. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been gotten into really really into Kundalini yoga in this last uh, year or so. And there's a studio in New York City that um, that I go to that my brother introduced me to. And so in like in the fall when I was finishing up my PhD, that would be the really the only reason I would I would go into the city and I would say I would go into New York City for the for the yoga class and then I would leave right mm, away. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is nice to have, you know, it, it's definitely nice to be so close to where there's always like something, you know, the yeah. airports, there's always yeah. um, it's that hub. So it's nice. The proximity. Totally. For people that are very connected, it's it's pretty hard. Whenever you arrive in a in a in a 
city like that or even like even just grocery when i go in grocery yes store exactly. when there's a lot of people a lot of energy going on you know like you can't mm -hmm. focus you can't exactly really stay. and you know so like i've talked about this with my brother so my brother david uh he is also just as on the same like spiritual path mm -hmm. and, and everything as me and he's the one that showed me the kundalini studio and he's lived in new york city for like 10 years mm -hmm. and i'm always saying like i don't get it as an empath as a spiritual person i was like i just i get so overwhelmed he's like no you don't get it he view so it's funny he views it almost as this converse way where it's like because there's so much available to you it's um he also mm -hmm. kind of says that there's so much that can be reflected right back to you in terms of synchronicities right mm -hmm. it's like there's so much data available mm -hmm. everywhere that it almost can uh yeah if you're thinking of it from that perspective it can immediately reflect back reflect your aura and reflect your reality right back to you because there's so many things mm. and i was like well that's that's interesting, interesting. Or just there's always yeah. something so yeah. yeah you know i don't really get it as, as a empathic person that's too many yeah. auras overlapping mm. that's too many auras yeah. <laughs> in a close proximity totally. 100% i guess it depends if you're somebody that wants to like tune in or that is or that is in a phase where you want to like absorb and 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 curious about right because it's like uh, well you can tap in it's like it, it really is just your perspective because right because it's all of these you can you can tap in and use that collective consciousness to mm -hmm. your advantage and i think there's something there's it's so physical right like i i just you always go back to the aura and the aura is very physical and there's a there's something to being in a close physical proximity to all those people and it's like you can tap into that collective consciousness to elevate you or to mm -hmm. like use that collective energy to your advantage or you can let yourself be overwhelmed by it which i guess is what <laughs> i opt for i'm yeah. just like nah totally <laughs> but yeah um so uh, take me back to like the earliest memory you have of like looking into this black sky with little lights and uh out there and be like what the hell is this yeah, i uh, know where right? are we why uh mm -hmm. just like how did you get into what what like sparked your curiosity around uh yeah so it's funny because i wasn't really one of those people that was like oh at five years old like i got a telescope and it was like oh, yeah. so from childhood it, it wasn't really one of those things for me it actually kind of clicked on like a little bit later uh not that much later in like high school it, mm -hmm. it clicked on in high school i wanted to be a veterinarian for my life before that because mm -hmm. uh, i loved animals and so that's what i wanted to do for a really long time and that was what i was dead set on uh for many years and then i got into high school and um i kind of realized even more so that um yeah i've always been very like math math brained uh i'm not really good with like the reading long passages and answering a question i'm not good with like reading long things i've always been very more like black or white math mm -hmm. physics brain and so then in high school i started taking physics classes and everything because that's uh that's when you would start taking physics um and so, you know, I really gravitated towards that. But what it really was, was in, um, so in my 10th grade, when I was about 14, I took this uh, astronomy elective class in, in high school. And so it was just like, it was uh, the way we, we divide up the year into quarters. It was, it was a few months. It was this tiny little mm -hmm. thing, but something about that class, and it was so scratching the surface, you know, it was a high school mm -hmm. elective. 
but it was just astronomy and it was just the basics and you know we learned like all these things and just something about it so I guess I was about like 14 something about it just really like took me over and I was just Mm. like oh my god like I just love this and I think it's so cool and um I just yeah it was just like I don't know it was just this fascination and and this wonder and I I think it started becoming part of my identity at that point (laughs) at that Mm. point you know it kind of just uh started yeah started becoming part of my identity but then I remember um so that's when I would start looking at the sky, you know, that's mm-hmm. around that. That's when I would start looking at the sky. And so it was the combination of knowing that astronomy and physics, you know, a little bit of the the logical side, knowing like, oh, OK, like this goes hand in hand with physics and astrophysics and knowing like, oh, I gravitate towards that already. And then also it was just really, I, I think, kind of this like sole purpose, sole mission mm-hmm. just turned. I, I really feels like that's what it was like around this time that I took the class. It was just like the the, uh, the flip, the switch just turned on and it was just like, yeah. oh, right, I have to do this. And there was there was this one night where I do recall like um, that I talk about sometimes that it was like we were we were out in uh, we were in England for for a wedding or something. We were at this uh, this castle that was a bit more removed, so we weren't in like the main city of London. And we got woken up in the middle of the night for a fire alarm. Actually, and we all had to like get, evacuate, get out. It was just an alarm, but um, and then it was a really nice night sky that night. And I remember I was just like, and even when we got back into the room, I was like looking back at it again through the windows, and I was just like. It was what what the thought was was like I need to know everything that's up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what the thought was. It was mm-hmm. like it was this instant knowing like I need to know everything about what's up there and like I have to do this for the rest of my life. And mm. that's really what it was and I was around like 14 and it really kind of just solidified and I just completely shifted gears and then I continued with the physics and I continued uh, after that tiny elective class of astronomy, I continued just like learning on my own and just, you know, becoming a bit immersed with it. And um, yeah, and so so that's kind of how, what set me off on the path. And then I, and then I ended up, you know, majoring in uh, physics and astronomy in um, undergraduate. I see. So when you, when you, so from 14 years old, it, you had never, after that moment, you never had any kind of like doubt of, of what or whatever, like it sparked it. No. And then it was yeah. just like spiraling. I never had up any doubt. Until, it was yeah. like as soon as, right after that, yeah. it was like, oh, this is what I'm doing with my entire yeah. life. And mm. yeah, and it was, it was like, there was, there was never any other option, which is kind of just mm. funny, you know, in terms of just when people go into you know college and they're like oh i don't know like thing whatever and which is why it was interesting because it's very difficult uh <laughs> physics mm-hmm. and yeah. astrophysics and it's a lot of math a lot of it's very it's very difficult but mm-hmm. for the whole time there was never any other option for me because yeah. like i could never think of anything that could replace that and that's how you know that's how you kind of know when when something when something is in your bones that much it's Mm. very much like a deep soul calling yeah totally did you have any other people at that time in your life that were a little bit into like that field or was it completely different 
from all your friends all your your it entourage. was compl- it was completely different yeah like yeah. nobody How really it- yeah no like a, a lot of my friends were into uh wanted to be doctors and so i do have mm-hmm. quite a few friends that ended up going to medical school and, and are doctors and everything so i had friends interested in that um but like really the, like the physical sciences physics and and especially astronomy um no like i never mm-hmm. i didn't really have any any friends that were into that and it was and um i think it's just i feel like too that's when i started i just my brain has has never been really focused on just earth <laughs> that's the mm-hmm. thing that's just yeah. what's funny about it is and especially now at this point when that was like 15 years ago now i'm 30 and it's like I just feel like everyone else kind of goes about their life uh, thinking like the bounds of their mind are just like the planet Mm -hmm. and what's going on here in our reality. Mm -hmm. And just for a really, really long time, like I never really cared about like what's going on on this planet. It's true. (laughs) Like I was always just outwardly focused or just when I would think about life, it was just the whole universe. You know, it was never just like, oh, yeah, life as we know it on this planet it was always like oh life is the universe Mm -hmm. so um you know i did find it or it is still like sometimes i never really know what people's mental perspective is on you know it's it's just i've been thinking of the whole universe in my mind for a really long time Mm -hmm. and i know most people don't think that way at all (laughs) so it's Mm -hmm. just you know something i've noticed over the years the difference in perspective and then obviously when i continue to study it and actually learn more about what it contains and i'm really out there then don't get started with the aliens (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean it's an interesting point because you like the way it probably impacted your just like awareness and consciousness just by studying things that are at a scale that is that are that is like hardly uh um, we can hardly perceive like billions of years uh um all all, all the stuff around that like it's it's uh it definitely opens your mind and get in and create like a total different point of view on a little problem that you have like right now a little thing that's happening Mm -hmm. in your life when you know uh all these things yeah Um, and just things like yeah like on earth and just history and i don't know i was just like kind of i really i just did not gravitate towards any of that stuff you know that was just happening here so. How do you, how do you think you uh, how did it impact the way you approached your daily life? I'm talking the mm-hmm. human experience, yeah. Uh, with expanding from like this age, like fourteen, fifteen, with expanding uh, your awareness about life, about the universe, and and probably in your consciousness as well. Um, how how this impacted your your experience here yeah i think so. that for me it kind of just um yeah i think i just have always felt a little bit removed from mm-hmm. like day-to-day life and society things and mm-hmm. just honestly like even things yeah even especially things like i don't know like politics or government or mm-hmm. social issues like honestly it's been very interesting noticing the difference in the way that i think versus 
uh, my friends think just mm. grow like you know as you get into college and you start caring about social issues I feel like that sounds so terrible but it's just like I just can't really explain it there was just this always this kind of veil of disconnect with these certain things for me and it almost felt like it was just like not for me to need to care mm-hmm. about and and I think <laughs> Or just not for me, like yeah. I guess the best way yeah. I could describe it is just kind of a level of of disconnect with um with other certain things. But then I also, you know, I still definitely had that like self um motivation aspect of and wanting to, you know, wanting my life to look successful. And I came from um where I grew up on Long Island is very competitive, and it's actually like. Yeah, it's not a it's not a normal like especially yeah where I'm from I'm on Long Island and and the high school district that I went to was like very competitive a lot of kids going to Ivy leagues and it's like very much this um, yeah you know a lot of my friends from college had completely different experiences in their in their high school and so just for me it was it was really this competitive um, nature and so there was still this part of me that was playing the human game and and has been up until like recently I'm trying to you know deprogram some of that stuff and and let that go but there was definitely this part of me that's like you know felt like I had to keep going and had to and had to play this um, play this game to get ahead and I think also kind of just knowing that um in that in the academia path and this is just something that continued to unfold over the years you know I think for me like I knew I wanted to reach that point of like getting a PhD and you need other people to allow that for you right you need to have like mentors or you need to have people above you grant you that and grant you that access and I think um, there was kind of this weird subconscious thing in my mind over the years of like of like oh of like being afraid that someone's going to get in my way, you know, mm-hmm. and knowing mm-hmm. that I need to reach this point and knowing, and really the whole energy of what it has been since, since I have gone on this path is I don't know where I'm going, but I know, <laughs> but I know I have to go somewhere. I know that I'm mm-hmm. going somewhere with this information and I know I need to keep going to get to a certain point. And it was a bit more revealed to me in the last few years that where I was going is taking this in kind of the spirituality direction. But it was mm-hmm. always like, um, it can't it was always like this this has to work out or like i have Mm. to there's there's never been another option and then it came uh, all these issues with authority figures and all of these you know self-worth things in in graduate school of feeling like um like what if this person gets in my way you know what Mm. if this person gets it gets in my way so i've definitely still had all of those like kind of very human Mm. um you know competitive tendencies but then at the same time um yeah just kind of like not really not really caring in in terms of like i've always like knowing you know always knowing that this is what i'm doing and feeling so confident in it and being grateful that i am someone that is so sure about what they're doing with their life Mm. you know um but then at the same time yeah being a bit um it's almost a little bit too tunnel vision sometimes where i mm-hmm. it's it's a bit the the way the way that i like human is because my mind is always thinking about the universe it's like um i'm a bit like very black or white so like i'll have mm-hmm. my things that i put my put my brain on the shelf like the bachelor or my reality shows and mm-hmm. then i have like the universe so there's not really and i feel like the middle ground 
is mm, things like yeah. politics or government or caring mm. more about society, like interaction things. And that's ha- that part of like his there's just been something there that's like has been missing in me and it feels like it's a little bit more intense like it's either you know doing things that are just reality shows or it's the whole universe Mm -hmm. totally well i mean all these things in the middle very often they're just they're just like distraction for yeah to divide people and 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 stuff like that and when you don't want to let yourself influenced by things that literally don't matter right like if you if you think that your life is in the hand of whoever political representant you have mm-hmm. you you you're, you're missing something right so like right and so i um, think i just i just knew for a long time that that didn't matter and i think and mm-hmm. I, then i really knew i really knew some things around 2020 mm-hmm. when when the next level of my awakening happened but then you know kind of before that i was just like there you know i'm only able to make more sense of it now like oh no wonder that's why i never really cared about these other things that there was definitely always a level of like my friends care about these certain other things in the world way more than i do and i never really understood why (laughs) yeah yeah did it did this like bother you in in any way being younger or or not much like being being different and like knowing that you're different um did you have anything that helped you go through this or or i think was it bothering you at all or or not much you know i don't think i don't think it really bothered me because i was able to still you know relate to friends and everything on regular levels i think there was obviously just a big shift and and things that happened in 2020 where where the differences became to be a bit you know too much um mm-hmm. at at certain times but yeah and that's when you know i i really started feeling the most different in in the last few years uh once once i realized where it was leading me to kind of this spiritual side and this deeper thing that really not that many people know about because it kind mm-hmm. of felt like before that i was just like yeah i want to know about the universe but there was always some some disconnect because most people can't comprehend or don't never just t- don't care that much that they don't take the time to think about the whole universe at mm-hmm. once and so they don't but that's where my brain is all the time so you know kind of just a disconnect yeah. there yeah did you uh did you ever think uh younger about the concept of uh just like thinking about the the infinity the concept of infinity yeah i think like i definitely i think that's what was kind of keeping me was would make me you know continue to be curious about it i think Mm. you know i remember like i used to sometimes it's just like every kid has their like existential moments where they like realize like whoa we're gonna die or something like that and i (laughs) yeah i remember kind of having those thoughts um when i was like maybe before i think like before even i really got into astronomy or kind of just these existential thoughts are like is there like nothing after this or you know and really kind of getting zoned out and freaked out by that because obviously like i'm sure like every kid goes through those stages of like is there nothing after this and thinking of that i remember kind of ruminating a few times on that concept of like nothing of like 
if there could be nothing but there is something now and then so I think I kind of thought that before I really got got more into astronomy and everything but um I had always been uh and I I come from a, a spiritually connected family. So that's that's the other thing because that's a huge part of, right? Like that's a huge part of the path that people take uh, depends on their, their family or how accepting things are. And and my family is very spiritually connected and like we've always believed in mediumship and, and mediums and everything. And so we grew up kind of watching those shows. So there was always this belief in me that, you know, souls continue on and that, mm-hmm. There is no like complete ending. Uh, and I'm also Jewish. Um, mm. So that was another thing. <laughs> I grew up mm. uh, Jewish. Mm. Uh, I don't really like resonate with it um, mm. these days, but or religion in general, personally. But I yeah, but, you know, I, I did grow up in that faith. And um, yeah, I had a family that that was very accepting of of energy and spiritual things. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of contributed to me just like understanding, you know, that souls are infinite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Did you? Um, what do you think is the the main difference with uh, religion and and spirituality? I think that. Yeah, I mean, I think that religion has, um, well, okay, what I, I actually, what, what's more relevant to my own personal life experiences is the, is the, like, uh, is the pressure of tradition of things and keeping it in the same bloodline and keeping things in the same circle. Mm. That was actually what turned me off more to religion than the religion it's stuff itself and i know that's different for other people um but i do think you know the way that i the way that i think is that there's one ultimate truth and so i don't really understand the point of needing to put them into separate boxes and Mm. and you know for a lot of other people religion has yeah has this like shame and like all this all this stuff and i never really had that from um, Judaism in terms in terms of like oh like God is this or you have to do this to like appease God or be good and and all this stuff and so I never really had that and, it, and so it wasn't really the religion itself at all that um, that was the issue it was actually more just about that mentality of like you can only be with this you know person yeah. if they're of this the thing and and the gener and the way that it's passed down through generations. Mm. And how it doesn't necessarily make sense anymore, maybe, these these yeah. tradition things. And so that actually had more of a direct impact on my life. And then and then that's what, what turned me off to it. I was I didn't I didn't like the exclusionary aspect mm. of it. I didn't like the you know, and and yeah, it affected it affected me personally with some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean that's that's one of the main aspects of spirituality is the the oneness aspect so mm-hmm. that that makes sense that this is the something that turned you off for sure yeah um so what does it uh, sorry what does it take to get on and get a phd <laughs> a lot of craziness you have to be <laughs> you have to love torturing yourself <laughs> You yeah. have to love torture no so <laughs> how long take? does it take <laughs> 
How long does it take? It's so it my PhD took about seven years. Yeah. 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 So I started I graduated my undergrad at Colgate in 2014 and then I took a gap year actually because I wasn't sure, you know, yeah, and that was the other thing. Even to, so even deciding to do a PhD, the reason I decided to do a PhD was because well, one, I didn't I didn't like the the main reason was I didn't know enough yet. And it, that's always been what's kept keeping me going. Like, mm-hmm. I need to know everything. <laughs> it's like yeah. what my brain says. I'm like, I need to know more. And so I learned a lot of physics and cried during physics exams in college and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It really kind of like beats you down, but it gives you thick skin and um, it give, gave me the skills that I needed. And um, but so, yeah, it was like I got towards the end of, of college and I was like, Okay, well, one, I don't know enough yet. I know that there's so much more that I need to know. So that was one thing. And then the other thing was I was like, I can't, I was like, what else would I do? I can't see myself doing mm. doing anything else. And even something in astronomy, you know, to be, yeah, at that point, you know, I, I knew that to be considered a professional astronomer or some kind of to do like science with your career, you basically need a PhD. Um, you know, what I could do after undergraduate was kind of maybe certain kinds of teaching or maybe teaching high school or something like that. But I was like to, I just knew that I needed to continue on. So um, yeah, I took a gap year though and did some tutoring and, and stuff like that and studying for these big physics exams. And then, yeah, I started UMass, uh, UMass Amherst in 2015 and it was definitely a journey <laughs> it was uh you know i did multiple different projects and i i had a lot of twists and turns along the way and the yeah the journey to get a phd is um yeah they and everyone says i i never knew that i i never thought that it would be a thing where i wasn't passionate enough because a lot mm. of people say you know like if you're going to do a phd in something like you need to make sure you're passionate about it and i was like i always knew i had that down pat yeah. so i was like oh i'm fine in that department mm. uh even though the passion does you know it also waned a little a little bit That's here true. and there which is a little freaky at, which yeah it was a little freaky at times but it was never fully gone but mm. um and then what yeah. was the most challenging part of of this I would say there was the the most challenging part was was basically towards kind of towards the end f- finishing up at the end mm-hmm. but there was another second uh, second place was basically the the middle of the program after I had just taken my qualifying exam so about you know two and a half three years in you you do something called a qualifying exam which is you have to have all of the knowledge in your it's everything it's the it's all of astrophysics it's the whole universe everything that we learned in 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 our grad classes which was the whole universe and um and also my research at the time and my research for for that um time period was uh star clusters in dwarf galaxies so dwarf galaxies are kind of um like these amorphous um, galaxies that you know aren't aren't massive enough to have a spiral or um, elliptical shape, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot that we can study nearby the Milky Way. So um, basically, at this point in your program, you you stand in front of a blackboard for two hours, and one hour you're being questioned on um, your research, and then another hour you're being questioned on 
anything is fair game in the whole universe. Mm. And they always oh, say wow. that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really buckled down for that and studied yeah. for a few months. And that was, you know, a really big accomplishment uh, passing passing that, which I, I was able to pass the first time. They always say um, the peak of your knowledge is the day that you take your qualifying exam because mm -hmm. then it all always goes, goes down mm -hmm. from there because, and it's probably, I, I mean, a little bit true. Because, yeah. yeah, when else are you going to be so well-studied and well-read on everything? And then after that, you go into your specialty more, right? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it was, it was weird. It was, this, is, this is why I really try to speak a lot on, like, mental health stuff with academia. Because, um, mm. like, especially, it's just kind of ridiculous. Because still, even in 2023, when you think that everyone has um gone through all this mental health stuff with the pandemic and it just mm. you know everyone has this this woke culture and everyone thinks like oh no we care about things now mm. it's that has not trickled down into yeah. ac the academia that i know um mm. nobody shows weakness nobody admits that anything is wrong um everyone is just and everyone has imposter syndrome but nobody it's it's literally not acceptable to like show signs of weakness like mm. it's not <laughs> and um so what happened was then after a few months after my qualifying exam like i just the burnout just like hit me like crazy and i just really went through this deep slump of of burnout and, and i had no idea why and i thought that i was the only one and then what happened was i googled it i googled something like um I don't know, like l no motivation after your qualifying exam, PhD program, mm -hmm. something like that. Turns out it's this whole thing. It's this whole, it's like, it's a thing. It's a thing <laughs> that you, that it's yeah. really common after this point in your, in your yeah. journey um, to really like have some depression or burnout or lose motivation and stuff. And that, you know, it picks up, it's like a graph, but it, but it's a very common thing. And I was like, pissed when i found this out because mm. i had been in grad school already for three years at this point i met people like i've been to conferences i have networked like i had been in grad school for three years and i had to google to find out that my depression mm. at that point in my third year of my program was normal two months into it i had to sit for two months like in sadness and think that i was broken I had and I had been in school for three years already at that point. Nobody that message didn't make its way to me that that's a normal thing. It was fucked yeah, up. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> I can curse on. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. How did you? How do you? How do you navigate it? Because the thing is, like, so if you, because you have like it's climaxing in two hours, basically all these years that you prepped for that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you manage this stress and like can you if you miss that how what happens like is it is it basically the can you repass it or is it yeah. yeah so the way that we did it in our program you know every program is different the way that we did it was um you had two chances uh two chances to pass and it was also mm. um yeah so if you didn't pass your first time 
there was another one but then there was also Mm -hmm. to basically to get you to phd candidacy you had to you know you had to pass the qualifying exam but then it was also uh kind of holistic on based on your performance in classes and everything else so there was an overall vote uh so it was technically a part of it but it was an important part but you did have a second chance which which was nice but um which you could take like a few months later but yeah it was a lot of pressure and you know i didn't realize until i got to that that was the other thing is the whole point every stage of of this long seven year it's so in general phds well phds in like sciences like physics and and astrophysics definitely take like between five and seven years every program is different i would say some people can do it in five and my program people leaned more towards like six to seven sometimes people took eight too um or longer honestly it depends Mm -hmm. you know because this so much it's such a huge phase of life and sometimes people have big you know big life events that happen in that time you know that was my entire 20s i i I was in I was there from age 22 to 29 so it's like it's your whole you know it's your whole 20s um and so so yeah it's you know the whole first part of the program you're that's that's the that's at the top of the hill and you know that there's more to do after that because then you have to do your thesis but actually that almost was um it, it was basically the biggest culmination point of your whole program you had to pass that to get to to get to the rest and so it was definitely a lot of definitely a lot of pressure and it was it was um blinders on that moment for years and yeah and it was big big relief it was like the best day (laughs) goes it's 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 in my top like three to five categories of of the best days of my life was definitely that day it was very rewarding to to pass is there is there like people who really after that really like go deep into the 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 depression and uh, there are and like and not I, even I, come back to the thing or, or mm-hmm. like things yeah. like that yeah. yeah that's also you know it's also a big point of of a lot of people don't make it past there are people that don't make mm-hmm. it past that point in the program you know there mm-hmm. there are people that don't pass it's kind of like a weeding out point mm-hmm. um there's most people yeah most if you most people do but uh there's definitely a percentage that that don't make it past that point for one reason or another or kind of just choose to to opt out but um i think there you know what i'm i think there is a huge percentage of people that um because this is what what the feeling was was i didn't understand how like i had just gotten to the top of this mountain that i had been dying to climb for Mm. and i was like so you know gung-ho on for years and i had gotten to the top and i felt like i was at the peak of my knowledge and i was and i was like and i was the most confident i had ever been because i you know i definitely had a lot more imposter syndrome before that and truly all the studying it, it did help me and and i really did feel like i knew what i was doing after that point mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden when just like the immense burnout just hits you like really out of left field and you you know just all of this stuff and that's why it was so weird because it came like right off the heels of this really Mm. peak moment where i didn't and so i wasn't expecting it but i do think a lot of people go through that and i think there's still so many people that don't know what that is or that or that judge themselves and i think it's just i think people um probably have their own way of getting out of it you know because just like anything just like 
anything in life like nothing lasts forever so these are phases and people have their way of getting out of it but I think it's kind of just one of those things where um, just like anything it's exacerbated by you judging yourself throughout the whole time and I think I guess yeah my guess would just be that people just make it worse on themselves because like people are making it worse on themselves than they need for it to be and my mission is from whatever I can control or like I was back in my department a few months ago talking to some of the younger grad students and I informed them that some of the students that had just passed their exams and everything and they were going through the same thing they're going through the same burnout and I was like their little fairy godmother from the future and I was like telling them this is normal like Mm. don't be hard on yourself like take it easy if you go months without doing work like it's fine like I did that so many times in in the time and um just the relief on their faces because it was the same thing they didn't know either they didn't know either this is what i'm yeah. saying like the, like it's yeah, nobody tell you yeah. nobody nobody tells you anything because everyone pretends to care about mental health mm. and they pretend to care that like oh no now this matters or like now we care about you as a human but then they still go out and they just put on their brave faces and so it's just it's ridiculous like the relief in these people's uh and these guys it was like yeah these two guys in my program um the relief in their face they were like they were like really they were like that's 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 normal that's wow i'm so glad you said that Mm. oh my god i'm so glad you said that and i was like yes it's normal and so you know i I just think it's all about giving people more permission because i don't think there's necessarily maybe a way to stop that period of burnout or anything but it's just like what you know how much worse are you going to make it for yourself by being Mm -hmm. by beating yourself up yeah totally how do you think we 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 catch up on that gap between because the way um i mean if we talk about just like let's say western uh uh, society um you know the way technology is evolving as uh, exponentially but um human let's say just uh, i was going to say morality but not necessarily morality but let's say the overall wisdom of the uh, the overall human wisdom even though but the modern one because i believe you know way back way far back uh, uh guys had <laughs> way more wisdom that we what we have uh, today um yeah how like why and and how you know we're i'm a millennial like you how us we can do what we can at our level um, help bridging that gap between soulless things yeah and um, you know developing more human uh, basic yeah uh, things like like you did by example mm-hmm. um, yeah in, I think it's like world. I think it's just gonna be on people to people and just yeah kind of I think people just need to talk about their experiences more Mm. and and everything and um there's I'm not sure like sometimes I'm like I don't know about how much it can go into the institution of, of academia and everything because it's like I don't know. I I feel like the the area for change is like the students just kind of students talking amongst themselves more mm-hmm. and kind of just 
being mm-hmm. more honest or seeing I don't know I've, I had all these ideas of ways to help and then you know I get too many ideas and can't mm-hmm. do any of them <laughs> um, but it's just I think they're because because right now some of those older generations you know like I don't know it's just it's so weird to me because of how like I said a bunch of times it's they think that they're making progress and things like by mm-hmm. having they they're tr- it's like they're trying but something is still missing and mm-hmm. um and just because because what it is is when when they talk about mental health and academia all they do <laughs> this, is, this is what it is all they do is they talk about work-life balance and they're oh, like yeah. okay and they're like this is how you're more productive at work take breaks do whatever <laughs> yeah. you know this is this is really what it is it's it's i think what's missing is the spirituality mm-hmm. of the there's a spiritual piece of the acceptance because all that you know when they're trying to do and when they have these little presentations on mental health or you know i've been in grad school i was in grad school for seven years and especially through the pandemic and everything and so i've seen it all and i've seen like the angles that they're trying to come about it but from my opinion it's always just like you know it's always to enforce like a work-life balance yeah just taking breaks or whatever and i'm mm-hmm. like that doesn't wh- how what does that mean for your shame of when you felt like an idiot when you're advisor embarrassed you and you're in your meeting with them three years ago that's still living as trauma in your body like is that Mm. helping you accept your shame like no there's there's that's what it is there's so much shame in the Mm. world and in academia and this is what i have personally moved through uh there's there's a lot of shame and and i think the piece that's missing is the acceptance and i think that that Mm. happens from it's giving people permission it's giving people permission and that's what i tried to do when i talked to those people that are in, younger in the program now i tried to tell them i tried to give them permission to to have their experience and i think you know that's really kind of the spirituality that i embody or that i you know lean towards just the the acceptance of it all and so i think like that's what's missing because i mm. think it's okay that there's the range of experiences it's really hard to do a phd and but I just think there's so much pent up shame. And like, if I have these experiences, obviously so many other people do and people have been mortified and people have been embarrassed and people have been like made to feel stupid and people, and it's still living in their bodies and there isn't this acceptance of it. And, you know, and then you just go deeper into being hard on yourself. And then can you forgive yourself for being hard on yourself? And I've had mm-hmm. to move through a lot of, a lot of layers with this. And it's, you know, it's really just, giving it's you sometimes you need someone else to give your permission and that's what i try to do with those other kids you know i try to be the one to give them permission because nobody does or it's rare is it do is it is the 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 feeling is is that you are all competing which with, uh, with each other or is it is there like a, a sense of competition because i i think it's just a like, personal belief that like the fear uh, like the the um, thinking that we compete with all the people is mm-hmm. is a lot tied with like yeah. i hide myself i don't want to show weakness i don't want to uh, say oh i have this problem or whatever because I'm going to be perceived in this world as as weak and and I'm not going to make going to make it and this is a big part of when you 
awaken to this reality is that you yeah. understand that no you don't compete with anybody because right. nobody can be you and once you leverage your your your, yeah. your true unique self but as a student through this um is there do you feel like you had like a big sense of you had to compete with with other students yeah it's yeah. definitely there's definitely the competition aspect of it because it's always well it's always being pushed on you that oh well when you graduate in the job market and you have to have mm. this many papers and oh it's so hard yeah. and all oh, the jobs are dwindling and all oh, it's so hard <laughs> to get a faculty job and all this languaging yeah. around this is just making it worse but it's also yeah so i feel like in terms of um i think what it is in academia or my experience of a phd was there is this pressure that once you get to the end that you uh, you have to do all these things to make yourself uh, uh, look good when you get to the end and need to find a job and they're constantly drilling in you that it's really difficult and that there's minimum and there's not enough available you know that there's mm, people that yeah. the ratio of phds that graduate to people that to the types of jobs or academia is, is low and like so they're always drilling that into you but then it's also this um <clears throat> yeah it's also kind of just this competition of uh throughout the program just this uh worthiness thing to be you know to be uh to keep up and just to be present feeling like you you have earned your seat at the table or just mm -hmm. you know being able to to talk about things and um it's the, yeah the other thing that i kind of try to to tell students is that um you know not, certain knowledge is really gradual and happens over time and i remember you know sitting in conference rooms or sitting in in um in discussions and stuff with other grad students that were older when I was a first year and they're talking about all these things in the universe and I didn't understand anything but then naturally you know a lot of things uh knowledge is compounded naturally over time so this is another thing that I would kind of just try to instill in people like there isn't sometimes you just takes time to understand a concept and then you just it just happens naturally and I think that that mm -hmm. uh, can be applied to like a lot of things right your confidence just develops naturally um but yeah this whole thing of of like oh my god this person knows this and I don't and I don't know it and just yeah kind of feeling mm -hmm. like you're gonna slip through the cracks or or that you're not worthy to be there anymore a lot mm -hmm. of that but yeah in terms for the for the competition stuff yeah yeah, because a lot of things were shaped through fear a lot, right? Like in this mm -hmm. in this society, it's just from day one is like is like do this because otherwise you'll have the repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and also in astronomy too, it's this. Um, there's this massive rat race for um, mm. telescope time and, and telescope proposals. So that's the other thing that's going mm. on. It's it's every year there's a new telescope proposal cycle for, or there's a new telescope. Um, and it's always like, oh, these proposals. Oh, these proposals. Like, oh, uh, I was working up till, till 2 a.m. on the proposal. And it's like all astronomers are procrastinators too. So whatever there's a pro week that's a proposal deadline, it's like, oh, every this is canceled. Like, oh, it's fine. Everyone's working on their proposals. And just this mm -hmm. whole like, 
mindset, you know? And um, so it's always, it's that too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's the nature of also research. There's the research competition too. There's, there's that there's, Mm. there's, you know, telescope time is limited or there's a lot of people proposing for telescope time and you have to have the, the next best idea. And that whole pressure of, of having good ideas and having your own ideas. And that, that's hard too, especially in a PhD, in a PhD program, you're being, you're growing into an independent researcher, you know? So, and that, that's another thing that I found uh, happened over time that I try to like tell some, tell younger students and as far as just, yeah, there's, there's a theme here in what I'm saying, which is that you evolve naturally and you grow naturally. And, and when you're in a more adolescent phase of that, it's so intimidating to see the other people around you in a future version. Because, you know, mm-hmm. when I was like a first year or second year, I couldn't even fathom doing something more, doing research independently or couldn't even fathom coming up with my yeah. own idea of a research or something. But then you get there and it happens naturally and you, and you know, you take the steps. And I think that's a really comforting idea. Um, that can be applied to a lot of things, you know, like there's a natural progression to things and um, you don't always need to compare yourself to these future versions or people that are a few years ahead of you in in their knowledge. It's like things just have to have to progress on their own on their own time and just let them seep into your let information seep in, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Extremely important. We 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 fall into the trap that uh, we need to rush things mm-hmm. and it's a massive thing to deconstruct because like wanting to rush is almost wanting to end your life uh, i know quick, right quicker. isn't it so silly it's like, like it's and like, i get caught in that all the time too obviously yeah uh, yeah everyone it's, does we're, we're everything is it's so fast fast right fast, exactly fast it's like you want Just it to be like over <laughs> yeah yeah that's the that's the thing um yeah. um and because then w- what are things uh is it like the ultimate goal like once you have uh this not necessarily for you personally yeah. but once you have um what is the the kind of like the the thing that all of you guys go after yeah. is it like the paper is it like the finding something mm-hmm. uh new like a yeah yeah it it is it's basically you know i guess um for people that do for people that want to stay in the field you know it's so interesting too because um i do like what i what i do really love about uh astronomy and, and astrophysics is that everyone really is although the people that have made it to become faculty or independent researchers everyone really cares so much and because Mm. it's such a niche thing and and it's also so cool and it's so fun and it's like it's the universe it's awesome like people love astronomy like the pretty pictures Mm -hmm. like people love thinking about the universe it's really awesome and that is one thing that i really uh, did take away from from my experience in in grad school is um no matter how even though there people were kind of hardened by these academic ideas or competition, you could still see at the end of a presentation or something when when um, then it, the floor is open for questions and then all the the faculty in my department would just love like you know ask questions like you could almost see their inner child come out mm-hmm. in terms of their care and they care and they. It's like sometimes I would just be be so surprised by it maybe my first few years when I'm like burnt out or I'm like over it and I'm like they're still asking questions like 15 minutes over and I'm like why do they care so much? Mm-hmm. And it's like these people that have made 
astrophysics, their career, and especially with their research, like they really genuinely care. Like they yeah. really care about the these galaxies or about like the way mm. that uh, uh, they really want to know how these star how these planets are forming. And and I did, and it was something. It was a it's a thread that I really have noticed everywhere in academia and conferences. And I do really appreciate that. And I don't know, like maybe other the other sciences are like that too. But I've definitely noticed that like people really care. And so the the people that care that much, you know, that that want to continue doing their research. Yeah, they basically um, the, the end goal is to either do, is to do teaching or to do research as some kind mm -hmm. of like long term profession. And usually it ends up slotting you into teaching because that's where, you know, you'll get the, uh, the financial support being associated with the university. And so it's either doing the teaching, teaching or research and stuff like that. Um, and then there's other people that aren't as passionate about it that decide to decide to leave you know leave astronomy and go into industry or something like that after their phds um but yeah overall people people want to continue doing doing research and they want to be a part of the cutting edge and a part of the new telescopes or a part of part of the new things but i really do think that um it is the curiosity that motivates a lot of astronomers which is cool because it's definitely not the money <laughs> that's for sure mm -hmm. because it's not something that you go into it for the money so mm -hmm. i i really appreciate that about about the field people people are there because they genuinely care i don't think they would be there and because mm -hmm. I think that people know, especially with the skills that you've accumulated by that time that you're, you know, that far having a Ph.D., there's a lot of different jobs that you could do. There's a lot of jobs that would be hunting you down for your data mm -hmm. analyzing skills and everything. So, yeah, yeah. people want to. Um, and, and it's exciting because there is always new stuff and there are always new telescopes. And um, I think it's a field that is, you know, I, I think it's more interesting than just pure physics <laughs> research and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I'm not sure exactly what kind of cutting edge things are going on there, but at least with astronomy, you know, we know that there's new telescopes and we know that we can always get better resolution and higher quality things. And there's still so much that we don't know. So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. So how, what, what is the, um, what is the thing that surprised, what is the thing that surprised you the most that you learned uh, about the universe that maybe not something that is like I was going to say common knowledge but it's not common knowledge mm -hmm. because most people don't know anything but what is the thing that for you is the most like mind-blowing thing you know about yeah about it yeah good question If, I mean there might um, be probably several things but mm -hmm. I think let's see I think that The thing that, yeah, the thing that is the craziest to me about the universe is that everything that we study is only 5% of the whole universe. And there, so the mm. 95% of the universe, about, approximately, is made up of dark matter and dark energy. And those are just two words that we use to describe something that we don't even understand what they are we just have mm. a very vague concept of them so five percent of the universe is baryonic matter which is what which is the term for things that we can detect mm -hmm. so anything that we can detect across the electromagnetic spectrum is like baryonic matter and 
that's everything that we're studying and that's given us a lot. It's the whole, it's all the light spectrums and spectral energy distributions of galaxies and everything, but it's 5% of the universe (laughs) and dark, dark matter. So like a bit about dark matter, um, the evidence that we have basically dark, dark matter we know from yeah from from the measurements we we know that it's it's making up you know that large percent of the universe but um there are theorized to be dark matter halos around galaxies so the way that this was discovered was um a lot of things about dark matter have to do with galaxy rotation curves. So we basically measured the rotation curve of a galaxy of our galaxy, mm-hmm. meaning, um, or we can measure it of other galaxies too, that we can see a bit more edge on. Um, rotation curve means something to do with like measuring the rotation velocity as a function of distance from the center, right? And mm-hmm. so the rotation speeds that we'd notice and the reason that we that there's theorized dark matter halos around galaxies is because given the mass of the galaxy and given the velocity, it doesn't add up. Like the galaxy, if, if that, that rotation speed was actually what it, the, um, what like, if it was only if it was only the visible baryonic matter that was making up uh, this rotation curve of the galaxy, it would blow itself apart. It would like explode into it. It's not physically possible for it to exist. So the way that dark matter was introduced was that it's basically just an extra something that's there that it's an extra this is why i say when we use the words dark matter and dark energy don't get too attached to those words because we have no idea what you know we Mm. say matter but it's like what we don't even we don't even know we might as well just Mm. call the these things question mark in my Mm. opinion because that's how much we really don't know about them honestly But yeah, there's just some extra force. Basically, when studying all these galaxy rotation curves, there's some extra force kind of that's that's hold that's pushing down on the edge of the uh, galaxy that's explaining why its rotation has to have that speed. Mm. So that's how we know about that's one of the things that we know about dark matter. That's like the main the main thing with dark matter. And um, so we think that yeah, we think that every galaxy is enclosed in this in this halo of of dark matter and then dark energy um a way to explain that is the dark energy has to do a bit more with the expansion of the universe so we do live in an expanding universe and there's all these um there are all these theories for how the universe like cosmological theories for if we lived like in an open flat or closed universe or there's all these Mm -hmm. theories for how the universe is going to end on itself if it's going to like explode or if it's going to crunch back in but so basically what what dark energy is is it's a negative they refer to it as a negative pressure so it's uh, a, a good analogy that's used is like a rubber band so if because because the universe hasn't exploded on itself yet right from what Mm -hmm. we can tell because it's expanding (laughs) but it's not running away on itself and it's not Mm running the theory is that it's not running away on itself because of dark energy and so it's like if you take a rubber band the the tension in the rubber band that keeps it from not Mm -hmm. snapping yet is like dark energy so it's kind of keeping it in a little bit and so those are some of the other you know some some of the mysterious things that are going on but in a way, some of these things were just introduced as an extra constant in Einstein's equations uh, that it was like, oh, it doesn't add up if we do this plus constant dark matter. There you go. <laughs> like mm. truly kind of this is how these things um 
came about. So there's all these. So so five percent of the universe. We're studying five percent of the universe, mm-hmm. and it gives us quite enough to uh, write many papers on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what yeah. else is there? I think potentially the rest is in higher dimensions. I think it could mm-hmm. be locked up in in higher dimensions, but. Truly, that's that's what I always go back to in terms of not really understanding why astronomers are so close-minded about spirituality or why anyone could ever have the right mm. to be close-minded at all. We're studying 5% of the universe. Yeah. Even in that, we don't even know what the hell's going on. There's a lot yeah. that is un, that is uncovered, um, yet to be discovered within that 5%. So it's like, if we're studying 5% of the universe, who's anyone to say? Who's to say what's right yeah. or wrong for the rest of it? Yeah, totally. Um, it's uh, was it Socrates, I think, who said that the true wisdom is in knowing that we know nothing. <laughs> yeah, That's I don't know if it was him, the... but yeah, I like that quote. <laughs> um, so yeah, it reminds me a little bit of also the human, because the, the human eyes can see such a yeah. such a nothing on the 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 spectrum. It reminds me a, a little bit of, of that. And what you say about the people is like, oh, I believe only what I mm-hmm. see. So then yeah. you don't believe anything exactly. because we can't see shit. Uh-huh. Um, so like, so we know, and I've seen this this uh, picture, this this photo that is like blue with like mm-hmm. things oh, of cosmic, yellow and red. The cosmic the, microwave background. The, yeah. the first, the start of the, there's a photo of the start of the universe. So I'll explain what that is. So, so yeah. basically, um, yeah, so this is some other evidence for why we think that the whole universe was at one point all connected into one mm. in one singularity. So um, the cosmic microwave background is kind of the remnants of the Big Bang. So in the Big Bang mm. theory, everything started together as this one overlapping cosmic soup basically that expanded very very quickly and at a certain point everything was expanded enough for all of the photons of light to escape Mm -hmm. to basically uh not necessarily be hitting for everything to you know it kind of goes from all being contained to there being enough separation between everything that uh photons can escape and and there's and they can make some imprint in uh, they make some it was like the first signature of radiation imprint in the mm-hmm. universe and we can and so so what it looks like is in um it's in the microwave wavelengths but the temperature is around three kelvin not that anyone here is familiar with kelvin <laughs> but it's just a fun fact yeah. 2.73 kelvin but um so it's basically just the, it's the ambient background temperature of the whole universe and it was created from the moment from the first moment that all of the photons and radiation had enough room to just like escape and move free and they weren't basically they weren't mm. just bumping into each other all the time is another way to put mm. it so it was like the first imprint of radiation of the universe and um so we can detect it uh, looking at all around 360 degrees so that's probably the the map that you are are referring to and one thing about the cosmic microwave background is that um it's the same everywhere despite these tiny little fluctuations it's the same temperature everywhere uh to five decimal points out of 
two two Kelvin. So it's like 2.73 something something Kelvin. And so this is a really important like this is the big the big concept about it and why why it's so important is that this ambient temperature everywhere like all distances you know of the universe it's i know it's kind of hard to imagine like some background temperature even for me Mm -hmm. like some of this stuff it's very hard to envision it's very hard to wrap your head around what that what any of this stuff even means so i understand that but so it's this background temperature it's the same it's a five degree to like very very high precision is the point of why that's important it's really high precision and the fact that it's the same everywhere everywhere we look in the universe Mm -hmm. tells us that at one point this was they were all connected you know and that's Mm -hmm. kind of some the evidence that we have for the Mm -hmm. fact that backtracking the whole universe was was uh, knew about each other as, as we say at some point i see so okay i think and so how is how can we say and how can we measure that the universe is it's continuing to expand is it with that knowing where it started and and so the expansion so far we can predict how how much more it's going to expand so the the expansion rate is measured by just like by just measuring the receding velocity of galaxies basically Mm -hmm. um and just being able to tell like this was hubble hubble was the first person that's why it's called um the expansion this constant that is like the expansion rate of the universe is called the hubble constant because uh it first came about you know we used to think that when we were looking at everything before we could tell that other little specks in the sky were galaxy were whole galaxies as opposed to other stars you know we used to think that everything was just like in our system and in our Mm -hmm. orbit basically but then hubble discovered that not only are these other things in the sky other whole other objects like galaxies but they're also moving away from us so this was how the expansion of the universe was discovered when they saw there's these whole other galaxies and they're mostly all moving away from us Mm. so then there was kind of i think you know essentially piecing together enough information you're able to figure out the approximate speed that things are moving away but the thing that's weird about it all is that there is no center there is no true center of the universe every Mm. single point is a relative center um, so hmm. at every single point, everything appears to be moving away from you. Like anywhere you oh, okay. anywhere you are, you are the center of the universe oh, at wow. that point. Uh, so, th- so there's no real center, which is why yeah. it's like, where's the edge? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. These are all val- valid questions that don't really have an answer. When it, mm. Once you get into this really big stuff, like the whole expansion of the universe, like the edge of the universe well we can you know we measure back and we measure back in time um but it's all so so rel- relative because you know we can just look back and know that okay we're looking at that galaxy from 10 billion years ago but still it's like in relative time that galaxy whatever it is right now it's valid in itself and if it still exists then it also thinks it's the center of the universe so it's just mm-hmm. it's really trippy interesting yeah i didn't know that, that fact. yeah yeah there's no there's no real center of the universe like there's no yeah. place on a map that any astronomer would point to and and mm-hmm. yeah so it's like what is i don't know what is symmetry yeah. and so if and but we know so we know it expands and, and we know it's gonna we know how it's gonna end 
So we don't Enough. really know how it's going to oh, okay. end. There's basically mm. these, um, there's, there's a few theory. There's, yeah, there's basically just different theories for how it could end. And this is where it gets, it gets kind of complicated because we, because we, we talk about, that's where it gets into like the geometry of cosmo of cosmology. The people that study this, it's, it's very like, uh, abstract sounding because we we start talking about the curvature of the universe and mm -hmm. and whether or not the we lived in a curve or a flat or a flat mm -hmm. universe and then but the meaning of that is not necessarily very intuitive <laughs> it kind of mm -hmm. it actually it has to do more with fluctuations um and it gets it gets a little a uh, little strange, but that's basically what those different theories like depend on because it's like oh if we it's if it's a curved universe or if it's like if it's curved in on itself then maybe it'll then one theory is that it'll expand and then collapse back down, but if it's if we live in an open universe and that's why I say it's a little complicated because. I'm not even sure necessarily how to explain like what these things mm. mean because they're talking about this this like abstract geometry of space time. That that's what these theories get into, and it's mm. it's pretty cool. But it's also it's also like whoa. Yeah. I remember we're taking cosmology. I'm like, uh, it's just very <laughs> deep and abstract, and you're just it's so uh yeah it's strange. Yeah, interesting. Um. You, I've heard, I don't, uh, recently, I think, I don't know if, but we can talk about that, that uh, space time. So time is, is not really, um, no, wait, the question is like, I've, I've heard that, like, we kind of know now that space time is, is into something else, into something bigger. Like it's not uh, the, f the fundamentally all there is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah i would agree with that like the way the way that it is viewed in terms of like astronomy right now mm -hmm. is is you know there's just the space time space time the fabric of space time that is curved by mass that you have mm -hmm. that and that is describes gravity and there's a lot of other ways that we um have evidence that space that um that gravity bends things that you have um that some gravity bends light around it actually my my good friend in my program who has the same advisor as me his whole thesis was on um was on these really cool things called einstein rings so gravitational lensing which means when you have like a really massive galaxy in your foreground and then there's something else behind it the light the the mass the, the yeah the gravity i'm like i don't even gravity i think there's a lot of mm -hmm. i think gravity is real but i think there's a lot of things that are misinterpreted as gravity potentially but basically the the theory behind it is that um when some it has to do with line of sight because there's light there's light from a galaxy that's trying to get to our eyeballs on earth mm -hmm. in the path along between where that light comes from and our eyes on earth there's another really massive thing mm -hmm. in the way so what happens is the light just be and it's just the way that we see it this is just an optical effect you know but it obviously gives us the whole thing is that it gives us information about the way that the physics of space-time works and then the light bends around the galaxy and then mm -hmm. it and, and it can go in all these different directions and it creates 
what's called an Einstein ring or like it can it can create multiple images. So it'll the galaxy will be lensed and it'll have like multiple images. And these things look really cool. You should go Google some of them after mm-hmm. after we're done. Um, and yeah, so they, they look really cool. And that gives us some that's one of the thing that that gives us some information, we think, about the way that light bends around around massive objects or the mm-hmm. way that the space time, you know, kind of bends. It's this whole this whole bending effect. Right. Yeah. Cuz yeah. and um cuz the thing is we we interpret like a lot of things with our human mind and it's sometimes complicated to um detach yeah. from things especially with like saying in the beginning especially with scales and and time and things but it it is possible i mean is it possible that we're uh that we are into something that is that we can't even comprehend and we couldn't believe it's possible because we're we're not able to to experience things at that scale but that even that whole universe and even like let's say a billion years can happen in a, with a can happen for other entities or something else at a total different pace we experience as human what is a uh, a billion year we can't experience what is a yeah. billionaire but it does it make sense like that we that we think like oh wow like a billion years it's a lot but maybe yeah. there's for something else it's like a fucking second for us yeah what i, I was gonna say like um sometimes um yeah like time scales or something that's so funny a million years is uh, on an astronomical time scale that's actually pretty short. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like sun, our sun is going to live another five billion years. And then I studied, yeah, something that really put some time scales into perspective for me was when I did, uh, I did a bunch of research on um, star clusters and so and star formation so basically what happens is you is everything forms in in clusters and in groups and i think that's also how souls you know i've heard souls travel in groups and and everything and there's all this fragmentation and so when stars yeah when star clusters are born yeah so stars stars are born together Mm-hmm. stars uh like on a very individual individual tiny scale uh they're born you know one one at a time but in the same like roughly it takes about like you know about one million years or so for a whole cluster to kind of form together and then they're still all then they form out of a gas cloud so they form out of a cloud of gas and dust and everything and there's kind of all these bunch a bunch of these local collapses that start mm-hmm. to form them all together in this cloud and then after a few million years um and so a, a cluster a star cluster that's considered young is like under five million years and that's also when there's still ambient um gas that's around and there's all this feedback from these really young massive stars that are emitting a lot of energy and kind of creating all these like little wind bubbles or all these all these little things in in the nebula and so there's all this gas around still and that happens still after about five million years and then it takes 
another few million years for the gas to clear. And so when you look at a star cluster that doesn't have any more gas around it, that's when it would be around 10 to 15 to 15 million years old. And that's how you that's one of the ways that we're able to detect how mm. old a star cluster is, because if if it's had the time for its gas to clear out uh, and that's like about 15, 20 mil- million years old and then it'll continue on and, you know, it'll eventually dissolve after maybe like 10 a billion years or like another billion years or something so, so the one we're seeing when we when we're seeing at night how old are, are these yeah ones? so like the orion nebula for instance in the uh in the uh orion mole- yes yeah, so the orion molecular cloud um orion is actually a pretty young star cluster and there's there's still gas in that one so orion is less than 10 million years old as a as a star forming region so it's mm-hmm. still it's still considered like a stellar nursery like an actively actively forming um star region I, the best and, example and i can think of but how 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 old a star must be so that we can see it from from the earth here hmm, good question i think probably I'm like, I don't know. I think you could see, I'm trying to, because, okay, so the star, the stage that a star, I think as soon as it's emitting light, basically, which would be the stages of star formation, it starts off as like this core, and then it goes into a protostar, and then uh, before it becomes a star, I'm trying to think, protostar, oh yeah, well, the thing is, they're usually embedded still in some material, like a star will be embedded in some gas and dust, or like a protostar will still have some surround, some things surrounding it. That's actually a big part of the reason that we either see things or don't, like usually there's a lot of gas and dust. A lot of gas and dust are clouding things that have just formed, because that's associated with these really dense stages of, of collapse and everything. So usually, like there might be some, some extra debris and material around mm. a protostar at that stage but pretty much you know it only takes like an another a few million years um mm. for it to form how can you explain what <laughs> yeah i was gonna say ah, a few million years it's mm-hmm. that's totally fine we can wait <laughs> uh how, how can you explain why uh we say that like humans are, are made of stardust yeah uh, that's because that's because we are because that's the only thing that there is in the universe like everything this is a huge thing is is that everything is recycled um and in terms of also just the way that like all that exists in the universe is well it's mostly hydrogen and helium uh astronomers so if you view the periodic table um astronomers actually refer to anything heavier than helium as a metal <laughs> it's kind mm. of like a joke uh <laughs> Funny, right <laughs> it's um <laughs> inside because joke <laughs> inside joke because it's it's actually pretty rare there are obvi- there are heavier elements but anything heavier than helium we refer to as a metal and there's uh so so it's um mostly hydrogen and helium and then uh heavier elements heavier than hydrogen and helium are actually produced in the centers of stars so this is why so el- yeah heavier elements are produced in the centers of stars and then what happens is um once a star uh ends its life or potentially goes supernova so iron is the heaviest element that's produced in the core so what what happens the way that it, it 
it unfolds is you know it'll be done burning its hydrogen and then burns helium and then once it runs out of a fuel source for nuclear fusion um, the last element is is uh, iron and so that's so iron is produced in the centers of um, in the centers of stars and then the star will go supernova so then everything is just spewed out into space and it just creates all this ambient material of all these different elements and some heavy metals and all this stuff. And then after a while, um, you know, depending on whatever is happening there, it, it just becomes um, a nebula again. It becomes a molecular cloud uh, for another another group of stars to form. And then mm. and then that's the exact same material that forms around um around individual stars so you know you just have all this ambient material and then that it becomes the material that forms a protoplanetary disk meaning the stage before planet formation so when um for planets to form around around stars you have the in, the collapse of the individual star you just have a bunch of this material this this extra material that's um that's that's floating around and that's swirling around and then eventually from angular momentum that collapses down into a disc mm. and then eventually certain parts of that start to fragment um and into into their different orbits and become planets and so it's mm. really it really is just that it's that these these uh, elements and these materials are are recycled and a lot of them are created in centers of stars and especially you know what the stage of the universe that that we're at right now um at the present day with the universe being, I don't know, we estimate 13 billion years old. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's one estimate that we have. You know, there's been, uh, our galaxy has, um, has been through definitely a lot of stages of, of star formation. And so that's kind of how we, that's how we know. Um, yeah, basically also the presence of metals in a star system or in a different galaxy or something will give us an indication of how old it is because mm. because of what i said because it has time to produce because the stars mm. have had time to form and then explode and then and then produce some heavier um elements you know so everything comes out of stars yeah or basically yeah and what what uh, may you may have said this but i, I maybe i didn't get it but what what's what sparks the 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 formation of a star mm -hmm. what's so, a star <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's um it's it's basically it's gas but mm. what sparks the formation is um you need so for stars to form you need cold temperatures and you need dense you need uh you need a yeah a dense environment so you need cold mm. and you need dense and so what happens is um when you have a region of uh, a region of space dust and so it's it's a combination of gas and dust but the but like basically the, the gas is is mainly the gas is what burns itself mm -hmm. the gas is what's going to uh, be fueling itself to to create the star and for ha to have the star continue um, for its life and the dust is kind of just there for the ride and it's kind of just like mm -hmm. around around there and that's like what the planets end up being formed out of but mm -hmm. so what happens is you reach uh, a critical over density so when once you reach a certain density and a certain mass a certain amount of mass is contained um the star the cloud collapses into itself and so it collapses and you have that gravitational potential energy of the collapse is turned into kinetic energy and so it's the energy of that collapse 
that forms uh, that forms a star. But it actually is still it's it's star formation itself is still quite a bit of an open question. I did mm-hmm. I did research on this. Um, my first project in grad school was on star formation and was on uh, pre-stellar cores and basically how these cores cluster cluster together. It's it's still an open question in terms of like, we think we understand the physics, but what we don't understand is multiplicity. Like we don't understand how, we don't understand the efficiency of, of conversion of material. We don't understand how much material is needed uh, to create, how much is going to create a certain mass star from how much of mass of uh, starts out. And we don't understand like, because there's binary systems, it's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know. A lot of stars in the, in the sky that we see are in binary systems, meaning two stars are orbiting around each other. Mm-hmm. So there's single star systems, which is our, our sun. And then there's binary systems. So two stars orbiting around one another. And it's really common. They say about 50% of the stars that you see out in the night sky are a binary system. So there's multiples, there's twins. <laughs> we got twins mm-hmm. going on. And we don't really know, like, oh, do they form in the same core? Like, we don't really know the physics or what I like to say is the method to the madness. Like, and we also don't know the preferentiality of it, like in a whole cluster, like, oh, are the biggest stars going to form first? Does it depend on the distribution? Mm. Like how, like, you know, how, what's the method to the madness of the distribution of who forms first, you know, who gets which are the do the big stars form first the small stars form first um yeah we have some understanding of like the statistical distribution of of like stellar masses in in mm-hmm. clusters like that but um yeah there's there's a lot like there's a lot of simple things simple things that um are still still pretty big um open questions or like a lot of people mm-hmm. are still like uh it's definitely not fully solved like the way that fo- mm. that stars formed a lot of people are actively trying to get better resolution data and everything so we can really like under understand what happens when the star forms and how all the mass is distributed and and so are, are they all ending up do being uh formating like planets or are they all turning into something or or it can be just uh like they definitely i think that no, there's probably there's probably you know there's definitely stars that don't end up having planets around them. Mm. My guess is that it's just going to depend on the amount of debris and the mm. amount of extra material that's that happens to be around it at the time. Because what we're when I say a molecular cloud, I'm I'm talking about it's a whole range of densities and there are all these different shapes and sizes. And so you're going to have a part of so a part of this it's just an amorphous thing, just like a cloud is is amorphous there's going to be certain parts certain regions of it that are that are more dense and there's going to be certain regions of it that are less dense and so the more dense regions have more clustered uh stars and and stuff like that so it kind of it kind of is just gonna depend it's like a little bit different every situation mm-hmm. the sun it was the same principle like it's it's been created with the, the same principle of a, of a star yep yeah. yep sun was created with a with a collapse just like that Mm-hmm. Right. If we say just uh, we look at Earth, the Sun, and uh, just our, our uh, solar system, because uh, we know, because uh, for the longest time, like I know, like we 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 rotate, but I didn't know mm-hmm. we we are moving also in in a direction. Yeah. Yeah. And this is pretty crazy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what it is is that w- w- refer to it. We refer to it as proper motion of the galaxies. So the gal. Mm. So if we zoom out a little bit first, um, the galaxies. So there's uh, there's also galaxies. I'm like, let's zoom out a bit more. Actually, <laughs> classic. Mm-hmm. The galaxies are in clusters. They're in this cosmic web brain. You know, brain filament like structure of the whole universe is this cosmic web. So there are clusters of galaxies. Um, but in general, the galaxies are kind of just flying. <laughs> they're just flying mm. around left and right. So, but they're moving straight, more or less. Mm. Yeah, no, they're the galaxies are moving straight. Maybe if there is a if there's a galaxy cluster, even if in a galaxy cluster, it's not necessary. Like the more massive ones float to the center. Um, so there is some kind of like bigger gravitational effect going on there. But even mm. in galaxy clusters, it's not like galaxies are orbiting around anything. So galaxies are moving just straight and they're just flying around left and right. Mm. And we call it proper motion. And it's just they're, they're, they're just moving straight. And so the galaxies are moving. And then you have the actual uh, rotation, more specific motion within galaxies and uh, along the plane of the disk or if there's uh, spiral arms and stuff like that. And so then the arms of um, of a galaxy are rotating. But there's also, by the way, elliptical galaxies. There's not just, I feel like a lot of people don't even, might not even know because we always see like spiral galaxies. But older mm-hmm. galaxies are, uh, are elliptical sh- in shape, meaning they kind of just look like a blob. They kind of look like mm-hmm. a blob of stars. Uh, but these, this is usually a signature that, a uh, sign that the galaxy is much older. So... <sighs> Yeah, so so we have this we have this motion of everything um, of everything around um, going around the central supermassive black hole. We didn't even talk about black holes yet. Um, so so everything <laughs> so everything's moving around, um, mm. and then the galaxy itself is moving. So yeah, and so there's also some stellar in star clusters there's also this kind of random motion of 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 stars this Mm. like uh velocity dispersion we call it um of of stars just in star clusters so there's some kind of velocity just for things to exist in their in in this cluster they're kind of having some relative some relative motion keeping it gravitationally bound basically Mm. it's measuring the it's measuring how gravitationally bound it is because star clusters because it because stars form from a group of gas and dust that's all gravitationally bound like they they it starts off kind of gravitationally bound as a group and then it drifts off and stars can kind of just go out onto their own (laughs) basically Mm. and um yeah, so they they lose that that gravitational influence over time. But yeah, there's a lot of different motions that are happening, and I think um, and and yeah, and that's that's the reason that galaxies would be colliding into one another, and that's the mm, reason that galaxies that collide because they're all they're just going. And mm. I have a lot of I have a lot of hybrid spiritual thoughts that I've sort of been developing and thinking about about galaxies merging and and how it's like this feminine masculine energies that that would merge um because like i said a lot well a lot of what we ask in in this research is what's the method to the madness you know what's is there is there a rule is there a law is there a higher structure to to this or are the galaxies just randomly 
floating and and colliding and then so that's where the spirituality comes in the spirituality comes in where you have these two galaxies colliding and you say what if there was a higher order that was having these two galaxies collide what if it's a soul contract you know mm. can't really say that in uh grad school but you know <laughs> to us it just looks like random but there's yeah. also you know this is uh, these are the things i think about in terms of there's also this randomized motion and there's even though nothing's random, you know, that's just the mm-hmm. word for the dispersion of it. Um, but, but yeah, I think that there might be some higher order or some deeper soul level things that are explaining why certain, certain astronomical bodies are gravitate to one another, or there's mm. some other, you know, there's some h- higher layer or level of universal law that's setting that, that mm-hmm. we just haven't accessed yet. Right. Um, well, it, it, a little bit like, uh, planet influence on, uh, from an astrology point of view, that, yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that stuff is like, that really bypasses gravity entirely. And that I think mm. just gets into pure, uh, electromagnetism and, and pure, I don't even know. I actually think of it more in terms of alignment. I think um, because, yeah, my thoughts on my thoughts on astrology, I, I think astrology is very valid. I think it's I think the reason that people laugh at it in, in academia and everything is because people laugh at what they don't understand. <laughs> right. Mm, okay. And, you know, this is my whole philosophy with all of this stuff is um, and in terms of the science of the spirituality is. I just think there's just I just think there's pure truth to it. I just think there's a pure science to it that is maybe just hasn't been accessed yet and that we just don't understand yet. But I think um, so. And that's just what I want to know and what I want to understand. But in terms of astrology, it's like everything. This is the way that I approach it. I kind of tend to work backwards. I'm like, you know, I'll see like, okay, I know it's like I really know in my heart and I really feel like this astrology stuff. It's very valid and there's there's a validity to it the the astrology charts have angles and they're all about angles and relative angles within a circle and about things lining up and things in in line of sight and so if if that is the case then um it has there has to be something with just a relative alignment that has an impact on your energy and so that to me would be some kind of like magnetic field thing if there is alignment and this this bypasses gravity because there is no way that a constellation or or a star that far from us would have a gravitational effect on us so it has to be something that bypasses gravity and that only uses things only uses measurements or impact that uh, are spatially invariant, meaning don't have any effect uh, on space. And that would be like angles. And, and a lot of, and the reason that also points back to magnetism is because a lot with magnetism has to do with these like perpendicular lines or just the, I don't know, there's just, there's a lot of um, concepts of like of symmetry and angles or just things mm. relative to the magnetic axis. And, you know, there's just a lot of things with that, with magnetism. So, um yeah, it, and it for me, it also brings me back to that point of the relative center. And I think everything can kind of be collapsed into like a relative point and everything, everything in the directions like around you and the alignment of it, they it all comes back to like some central zero point of your heart field. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's how things have a, I think that's how the planets have a, have an effect on you. I think there's some alignment thing and it all, and it all goes back to you as the relative center of your universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was going to get on, on, on black hole, but I, before we, I just want to get on something else. So we, we, cause you, you've been talking about, uh, magnetism. So we live in a electromagnetic world. Um, can you explain, um, you know, just, just like things about the, the, the block that constitutes the, the, what we see, the reality, the reality we're in when we touch things like that, um, you know, we're seeing only an image that is created, uh, in our brain yeah. and that, you know, there's, there's, there's. Like physicality is kind of a, uh, not necessarily an illusion, but, it is but, an illusion. but, but, but <laughs> just that's, that's a world that, a word that can scare a lot of people, but, uh, <laughs> I know, right? but like, can you explain, um, from a, like, not necessarily an easy way, but like, um, you know, just, just let's say, explain us that you know what forms everything is are atoms and Mm -hmm. what's an atom and and why you know when i touch that pen uh -hmm. i don't really touch that pen (laughs) yeah yeah the whole idea has to do with the fact that atoms are mostly empty space Mm. and um i think there's a whole other level of this that is kind of like a vibrational thing but i do think that you know anything that is physical is dense as far as we know it but yeah the reason that this table next to me is like mostly empty space is because you know atoms are atoms are mostly empty space and so yeah it's it's kind of just this um it it does create this illusion that um yeah this illusion that that we're touching things when it really is just a series of vibrations you know that are all Mm -hmm. kind of just next to each other and moving and and we're almost like feeling of we're feeling a vibration of it is kind of almost what i would say we're feeling Mm -hmm. a repel it's like we're feeling just two atoms like you know repelling um yeah i mean not like not necessarily like with their force but you're just feeling like that um, the rubbing together of like two f- two fields um, yeah. is is the way that I would put it. Yeah, which is it's kind of like the first thing that uh, for me started to kind of change completely. You know how you you see things, and it's something that there's no way yeah. back from from uh, yeah. getting up to this this thing. Definitely. Um, that like what we see is simply an interface. Yeah, right. And I think that that is what is the weirdest part of it, because all that we can do is put it together with our senses and with our eyes. That's like, what's even real? Like what's mm. everything is so relative with our eyes and and our filters and our eyes are just a filter. And then our brain creates the image and it turns it upside down and backwards and you know we actually like because they're con because our eyes are concave um or the word for it convex concave i don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know there's some whole like uh optical physics that happens with the inversion of of the way that our our brain you know invert has to invert that image that we see with our eyes um to to piece it together 
that's the most that's the most uh, fucked up things to me. Yeah. Like what I you know. just said. Like this, so this this thing of what I what we all see we, we don't see we don't see something that's there. What I see right now it's it's my eyes who are capturing mm -hmm. something and then my brain is making me the image I see right mm -hmm. and but this yeah. is this is the most mind-blowing thing one of the most mind-blowing thing I, I I realized in my life it's like mm -hmm. we're not we're not seeing each of us are not seeing the same world we can we see our our own image of mm -hmm. it there's nothing right. to see we interpret and then so everything that we see in, it's that weird concept it's 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 like it's not imagination but it's it's formed in your brain yeah. you're not you're not seeing it as it is you know mm -hmm. and it's just light reflecting because mm -hmm. you can't we can only see um all that our, our yeah our eyes are able to see the um the red through violet spectrum of mm -hmm. light and that's you know everything is electro everything is uh photons and everything mm -hmm. is uh packets of light and our eyes are able to see a certain range of light and so anytime we see anything it's it, we can only see something if there's a photon there a photon is mm -hmm. just an energy packet of light and um, and yeah and, and that's we're, we're only seeing something bounce off of you know bounce off of that and based on whatever color yeah. it, it appears to be is what we see and i think too there's something um uh, like when it comes to vision and, and things i automatically go to this quantum this crazy quantum physics perspective that is mm -hmm. your that i've been thinking about this a lot lately actually like your observation i think that because of this whole thing with schrodinger's cat and and quantum physics gets all into the importance of your observation of of something and um how something becomes like real or not real based on you know based on if there is an observer to it and so i think yeah it's it's kind of like if you're not <laughs> that whole thing like if you're if there's no one there to observe it um what's you know what's real or what's happening but i think that in terms of what we see it gets so interesting because there's um there's how your brain kind of intersects with what your eyes can see based on your beliefs and, and based on your expectations. And then if we get into kind of blurring the lines between like this dimension and, and uh, different dimensions, like there is a lot of, there's the subtle energy realm. There's so much going on, right? That isn't technically in our, in our wavelength of sight. But I think that if we, um, you know, when you adjust your expectations of what you expect to see, you you allow different things into your into mm -hmm. your filter. So I think there's a whole other level of your filter of your eyes that that be, which makes sense because your brain creates it, right? Your brain, mm -hmm. we just said it. Your brain creates what you see. So when you adjust your expectations of what you're able to see, that's when you can start seeing different things, and that has mm -hmm. to do with the quantum field. And that has to do with um, how rigidly you're observing your reality because everything is actually just a waveform. Everything is a waveform. So when, so that's why we see things rigidly because we expect them to be rigid and because we expect them to be there. Um, mm. But when you, when you loosen up and when you stop observing your reality so rigidly, you could see things in waveforms. You could see things mm. as they're true. 
sense or you mm. could start to see other things that you didn't think that you could see so mm. there is a direct connection with your beliefs and what you expect and and all this thing and i think too like our like there's a we send a laser beam in a way out from our eyes when we observe something and so there's there's a physics interaction that happens it's like your beam goes out and observes it and there's an interaction and then it comes back and then it goes in your brain mm. so it's your your gaze sends out like lasers because that's also the windows to your soul. It's your eyes, mm-hmm. or your windows, or your soul. So there's like a, it's it's a two way street. <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. two way street. You, when you are observing something, that's what quantum physics says. That's what quantum physics states the importance of observation of something. Your observation of something doesn't go unnoticed. It changes. Mm-hmm. There's a it's a two way interaction when you observe yeah. something, which is crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, that's the. The double sleep, the Thomas Young experiment. Yeah. Uh, that's a, mm-hmm. a good start. Um, uh, and because what is also crazy is that we, I mean, not crazy, but uh, something I was thinking about is the human body kind of like evolves and, and we know that it, it evolved through time and, and adapts. And we're supposed to like, we're, we're adapting um, depending on what we do, right? Uh, like yeah. the human body adapts. Yep. Yep. But yet we're we're since a while now on this planet, and you have th- stuff like that, like your eyes. Why don't we have? Why the um, the eye cannot adapt and grow uh, the capacity to see to perceive more of the spectrum of light? By example, like this mm-hmm. is something that I I find weird by example um, yeah why right do, i think because we're think always we exposed to to all these these different uh right things. yeah i don't know like i think that there's a maybe it just takes long on like a biological scale mm. maybe it takes too long of a time and we're just into tiny time scales right now right uh to be able to see those things mm. but maybe we're yeah. not supposed to <laughs> yeah, I know. Or we're not supposed to, you know, by design. Yeah. I th- I believe that humans are intelligently designed. So, mm. yeah. And uh, the so light is a waveform, mm-hmm. and but it has also like everything has a vibration that we can we can uh, measure. Mm-hmm. and depending on because the it's like the that is because it's a concept that it's easy to like most people know this know this for sound right like we hear different frequencies and things like that but we don't like see that we don't know that maybe this object like actually has a, a frequency as well mm-hmm. um how does that is is a um it's because we can we cannot see but hear a certain frequency when it's like too high in the the spectrum that's the thing right it's yeah a, well for like were you, are you saying for like d- being able to de- detect the frequency of other of other things yeah like yeah like like we can because if i if you tell me like by example this uh, like a, an object has a fr- uh, frequency, mm-hmm. like we know also, like for example, the planet, right? The, sh- the right, mm-hmm. the Schumann resonance, or like yeah, yeah, object yeah. Ha- um, vibrates at a f- at a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but we can't uh but it's like something we can see and touch and then we can if i put by example because we hear from 20 earth to uh 20,000 even mm-hmm. less when we're a little older if you didn't blow your your ear <laughs> and and i put like a sound of uh, 1000 hertz uh you're gonna you're gonna hear it but you're not gonna see it but yet these two things are are, are frequencies as well does it make sense yeah i think uh, it's that cr- yeah i think it's like i think there is a def- there's a difference between the sound frequencies though it's mm-hmm. like it's weird because i think that um the way that i see it is that like like when i see shapes I see them like the reason that I the reason that a shape or like some sacred geometry or something mm-hmm. has a frequency is because it's like it's like the whole fabric of the universe has these different intervals where something can reside on right in some range of the frequency or can be translated to it's like it's it, it's very it's analogous to like music and the, and the music staff and how everything kind of just tra- travels along the music uh the music staff but um like then so when a sh- then a shape it's like that that shape is imprinted into the quantum field and then it can be translated into some into some vibrational frequency right mm. and so i think that sound and I think it's just a translation like mm-hmm. sound frequencies um that we can hear with our ears and then the frequency of like a crystal or something <clears throat> or how a crystal is is emitting um is emitting some frequency or for example um something like something like a fruit or something that's you know main, mainly something that's alive like when i did my psychic the psychic class that i was doing this last few months we had a whole unit on clairsentience meaning like using our subtle energy body to feel things and what we did was we uh did these exercises where we would put different things around the room and we would use our, our hands to kind of help us and we would put like the wi-fi router or something or a crystal or mm-hmm. uh, or something or, or something organic like an apple or a pineapple or mm-hmm. something and you would go around and you would try to see if you can feel the difference in the subtle mm-hmm. energy bodies between um in, in the different parts of the room where yeah like the difference in something that's man-made um you know not organic or like the difference in a vibration between um between the book and the and the plant or or the book and the apple or the wi-fi router and the apple and so i guess just yeah all to say that there is um you know there's a translation into into vibration for for different things and for mostly I, I, the way that i see it, it it's almost has a spectrum of you know how conscious how conscious something is when you get in when you get into that like you know what what mm-hmm. is something that's inorganic matter versus organic matter feel the difference of but then i think like um i think there is a direct translation between less a sound frequency and some other uh vibrational frequency or maybe like a shape frequency or, or something like that mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the because um, with frequency with vibration on on a table like i've seen they they draw uh things with like if there's dust they put uh yeah, sand yeah, yeah. on the table and then right and then it, it creates a sound right yeah or it's a shape yeah. a shape a shape yeah yeah 
Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's the way I see it. It's like a direct translation, and that's where you get into sacred geometry, and that's where it gets it gets mathematical because the shape mm. is gonna have a numerical geometry to it. So then it gets like this is I I love all this stuff, mm. um, and yeah, this is like this a lot of stuff that Robert Edward Grant does, who we were mm. talking about before. Um, you know, there's it's it's all baked into it. It the math and the the math like math is geometry and like uh one of the first uh videos that i ever did on my instagram like when i was starting to you know put out content like that you know that first one or two like really terrified video Mm -hmm. that you have or you're like i don't know what i'm doing speaking to a camera but i'm just doing it anyway was about this download about how like numbers are true Mm -hmm. and um uh, yeah just about numbers and numerology and and one part of the video was numbers are fundamentally true because of geometry you know you can't you can't say that two or three is like made up and and is a figment and it's a concept of the mind of the human Mm -hmm. mind that was made up because a triangle exists so uh so numbers are rooted in geometry which are rooted in truth and then also rooted in the dimensions and stuff like that so um so that's how I that's where I think the overlap is with how these things are, are translated and then music, you know, and then music and, and sound frequency are just another another vibrational um, vibrational thing and how these sounds the, and how sound healing it ripples into your body and then it just starts right because the way that that works is then the sound starts vibrating your cell, your cells to, to move in them at that frequency. Yeah. I do a lot of, uh, not every time, but uh, let's say maybe a third of the meditations time that I do, I do it with uh, frequencies and, and sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's really nice. Um, one thing you just said, uh, we know that numbers are not uh, a constrict of the human mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something interesting because very often I think when I think about modern society and i and and i i say stuff like what we're the system we're living in today for a lot of people it's like oh that's life but no that's one way of living out of a lot of other ways we could live right and Mm -hmm. and uh numbers are are true but somebody that comes tell me robin you have to work 35 hours a week to get money that doesn't exist or whatever and this mm-hmm. is how you need to need to live your life this is not true this is uh made up out of right. uh, a certain uh human mind and i think yeah. it's it's very interesting to but it requires like to have the the ability to the chance to get out of a certain environment to be able to observe it and, and see it um but i think it's very interesting and i like to leave like this with when whatever situation or, or things like is this just like a construct of something is it just like mm-hmm. completely made up or is it like a, a universal truth like a law something yeah, that like, that's exactly is. that's exactly kind of just circles back to everything that we were talking about in the beginning and why I just feel like I've always had this disconnect with certain things because my mind subconsciously always, I basically, the way that my personal mind works is I calculate like based on 
if something to me if something is isn't like fundamentally true then i don't really view it as having as much of an importance and that doesn't have mm. anything to do with like create creative things just in terms of like what i would bother spending my time on you know so that's why yeah. there's certain things and there's certain studies that are you're studying another thing that someone made that someone made up mm-hmm. and to me that just doesn't make sense because i'm like if you're going to study anything <clears throat> why wouldn't you study something that's true and so mm-hmm. i think that's what my that's why i think the way that i do and that's why i'm i'm studying everything that i am because i i just want to focus on on something that's true um you know something that and and that's exactly kind of what has been my compass leading me uh lately in this last six months and kind of just discovering my own ideas about the Mm. spirituality of astrophysics like how to like what's the law like what's the because there are do think there are universal laws and like you know there are there are universal truths and there are universal laws and i the way that i see it is that uh, if something exists, odds are there's some universal law that ha- would have gotten us there. And I, I kind of think that too about extraterrestrials and aliens and conscious life. And, you know, I had this thought about how like uh, the conscious life of the galaxy has to be affecting the overall vibration of the galaxy. Like it's not, there's other components mm-hmm. um, that matter. Like astronomers just study all these physical things like the gas or the, you know, the mass of this or the, mm-hmm. you know, how much hydrogen and helium it is. But then there's another layer of the story that is consciousness and conscious life. And I think it's just as valid in the equation, mm-hmm. in the physical equation. I think there is another component that is consciousness. And so that's kind of what has been like just recently this like compass of the way that I think is like, okay, there's these spiritual truths that I know are real. Like I know that there's karma. Like I know that this, so what's the universal law? Like how do we backtrack? How do we fold it in to all the science that already exists? You know, because I don't think, you know, that's the other thing. I don't think that for the most part, anything that I've learned or anything that's in standard academia, um, like it's all valid and it's all part of it. I just think there's there's just more to the story. And mm-hmm. but yeah, everything I've learned, everything that I've learned is valid, except for maybe like the Earth's interior, because <laughs> I think there's um the inside of the Earth. You mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, like what's because I I do believe that there are inner Earth civilizations, and I do believe mm-hmm. that there's uh, alien life that exists inside of the earth Mm -hmm. and i i don't think that would be possible given the current theories given what you if you open up a textbook and you look at the slicing of of what the interior of the earth looks like Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like that would be possible given that but i do believe that that's the case so i'm trying to understand i think there might be a different physics to that and i think there are some things that we maybe like have wrong but there's a lot that we have right and there's a lot that you can't deny like you know we know we have catalogs of all these galaxies and we know their shapes and like yes we have these statistics of what's out there in the universe and we know a lot of the way that things um the way that things operate and in terms of in terms of back to the globe stuff and back to the earth i had a recent what felt like a breakthrough of a simple but uh felt like a breakthrough of thought about i think that uh it was about the symmetry of the earth because okay so i think i don't exactly know what the earth's interior look like but looks like but i do believe that there's maybe pockets in there where there could be civilizations or something like that and then i was thinking 
if the surface of okay because all the models and of course the the way that any of these models work is a lot of these things are symmetrical and this is why maybe this is why things aren't always accurate but that's not to blame scientists because we have to start somewhere right we start with these models and a lot mm -hmm. of these models everything in everything in is spherical and um you know yeah everything is circular spherical mm -hmm. like of uh, of that shape um and so so a lot of these models then end up being symmetrical and we have you know it's like okay then the earth is the same symmetrically from the core to the out to the outside but i realize like the surface of the earth is not symmetrical the continents you know continent you used to have pangea we have all the continents everywhere if the surface of the earth is not symmetrical what makes us think that the inside of the earth is supposed to be symmetrical yeah right yeah no, totally. that was a recent thought that i had and i was like whoa i feel like i'm onto something with that <laughs> have we like, actually whoa. actually dug like that the that deep into into the earth not that we're supposed to know about yeah <laughs> um but like no definitely not i don't yeah. i don't know what the truth is of of what's going on behind yeah. behind the scenes mm. but like no i don't know there's so yeah. there's so much and there's also yeah there there's so much about the earth and the magnetic field that that really remains kind of a, a mystery um in terms yeah. of these patterns uh that that we experience and stuff like that and i think you know i i think there's a lot to do uh, i talk a bit of, a lot on my podcast like about the the astrophysics of of our ascension and, and what's going on right now and i think there's something with the earth moving through our solar system moving through a band of, of high energy radiation this photon mm -hmm. belt um and I, i've kind of heard some things from other channelers about this but i want to you know i, I want to move into try to m making sense of it for myself but i just uh, there's i think there's there's a lot of things that um could come as a surprise to people <laughs> in terms mm. of like the way that we're orbiting around the galaxy or just mm. i i just think there's a lot of different pieces of the equation that are directly related to consciousness and, and ascension cycles and descension cycles um that are that have to do with the astrophysics that there there's no there, there's no one to explain that right now yeah yeah it's interesting to see that you're because you're very uh axed on like the truth mm -hmm. it's interesting to see that you you it doesn't prevent you from um i was gonna say from you know thinking about all these other things that you can't that we can't uh have a Math mathematics around like yeah uh, yeah that is true and, or, or like or there, there there's mm -hmm. no like uh, science proof because there i mean and it's what i personally uh found on like in a few different people that are very much um axed on just like the science and just the fact and just there's like one truth and and the truth which mm -hmm. which uh, is true for for certain things but then when you have the point of view of because like what what do we uh think is when we talk about truth what kind of like perspective what kind of point of view do we have when mm. we say this is it yours yeah. is it mine is it humankind is it the 3d dimension is it 
you know the way that i think of it and i think because of by training the way that um the way that astrophysicists try to think of things and the way that we approach problems is can we think of something that's predictive like that's the first mm-hmm. thing that came to mind when you said like what like the truth or multiple multiple truths like one line of of thinking of this is and it's and it's kind of bled into the way that i yeah the way that i'm approaching things too with the spirituality thing if this um the way that i see it one yeah one way of looking at a truth is some law that lets you predict a different now accurately Mm -hmm. right something some equation to let loose on time because a lot of these equations are a function of time and so what can we plug into this equation as a function of time like with all the right variables and then at some later time you can accurately predict like is there an equation such that you can based on the vibration of a galaxy or something such that you can predict the physical distribution of alien life in different planets Mm -hmm. that would be necessary to sustain the galaxy at that point in its evolution like is it as uh, as predictive i guess is the way that i is the way that like one way that i see Mm. um universal truth or universal law because i see it as like this overarching thing that would then branch down so if there's a universal law that this affects this then maybe we could we could roll it back and say that would accurately predict so this is the way that that astrophysicists are thinking are thinking about things how can we predict you know, is there something that we can plug in that would accurately predict uh, that would be able to um, to match up with what that is? And that's, you know, that's a lot of the way that these um, models for the evolution of, of the universe. And this is how we study, you know, why galaxies have certain properties now and they look different back then. Like what, what how does it unravel across time? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's what we're always seeking. But then I also think um yeah, in terms of like ultimate, tr- I I do think that those things exist, and then I mm. guess maybe what what would combat it is either the concept of multiple timelines, or mm. um. But then it's like, is there a way to predict the different timelines? And I'm getting like all all deep now. Mm-hmm. But then um, the other thing is what what completely goes directly against science is um. And what makes it so hard for people to do exactly what I was just saying, predict, is free will and consciousness. And there is free will in this universe. And there is there is the option to not. So where does, you know, where does that come in? Can is there really any equation that can predict uh, that can unravel the t- uh, these these timelines and things? Or maybe it is a set of probabilities. And that's another that's another thought that I've had, too. It's like everything everything exists in this probability function everything is like a set of probabilities so nothing is is singular everything mm-hmm. comes along like with the bell curve with a series of of sideline probabilities along with it but i think maybe we can predict that and there is there is math ar- around that stuff so it's like right. if you maybe you can predict the central curve and then all these all these side side uh timelines around it but then it's yeah. like you know ultimately yeah basically what i was just saying free will and consciousness and there there is a level of unpredictability to consciousness right mm-hmm. like to free will and to choice mm-hmm. so i don't know like what i don't know where that fits in with the ultimate truth yeah 
It's kind of interesting the the thing with like you talked a little earlier about uh, soul contracts and <clears throat> is there really sometimes I, I ask myself is there really I mean once you once you've let's say awakened for and you, you, you're mm -hmm. seeing patterns you're seeing synchronicities and you're looking back a little bit in your life and there's all these cascades of, of events that that can't be a coincidence and that led you to a moment and it's, it's just like a, an insane mm -hmm. probability um uh, you're like how much am i in control and do we really have mm -hmm. free will and then i'm like because then i'm like oh i'm supposed to do this and oh no i'll do that and then mm -hmm. but was this plan or not how much can i actually yeah. do i am i actually in control Or I, I feel like, me, I feel like we have like some kind of points that uh, we'll have to that. cross. I was just going to say that. But that's, then, that's what I believe yeah, too. I think yeah. there's node points. I think there's intersection points that we have pre-planned in our life. And I think the in-between is all free will though. Because mm -hmm. I think there's always multiple paths that you can get in between. But I, but I yeah. agree that I resonate with that too. That there's these intersection node points that we're always going to cross that... Uh, and, and it's not even that strange when you think about it because that's just the, that's nature and that's the rivers and that's the tribunes or what's, what's the term, the terminology, you know, for the river splits out into different parts mm. and then it comes back to itself. Yeah. So how yeah. we, it's not even that crazy, you know, it's, it's not even that, um, yeah. out there to think that the, that, you know, our, our life evolution and the probability functions of, of our life combined with free will would be similar to the natural flow of water splitting off mm. and, and coming, coming back together. Yeah, totally. The principle of a correspondence. From yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Have you, have you, do you know the Kybalion? With these, uh, no. The, the seven principles of the the universe uh, oh, i mean no. it's 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 uh, said that it was uh, written by uh, toth uh, and it's all this there's a well there's the principle of vibration rhythm mm -hmm. correspondence uh gender polarity um mm -hmm. there's like seven total and, and it's like it's explained in a way that it's a uh, it's very interesting yeah uh, and so yeah just something cool. to but mm -hmm. um Wait, what was the next thing? I was gonna say something. Yeah, we were on free wheel. Um, shit, <laughs> I had something <laughs> next. Hey, right, let me have a sip. Um, ah. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? Because ultimately, uh, what do you think? Is it something that do you think it's important to? And it's always something that I like to ask to people that are a lot into science. Like, is it how important do you feel all this is compared to? How I'm going to say when I'm saying all this is like the whole knowledge about the the universe and things that are pretty much out there compared to. Uh, upgrading or having a better uh, human experience generally speaking how the knowledge about mm. the universe uh, is compared to yeah, so simple just like things living... to have a better life as humans oh like 
Oh, are you saying how it, important is it for like the improvement of our life? Like yes. knowing, yeah, yeah. Like, like how, how do you think it's gonna yeah. is good? How do you think doing this, you're at service? Yeah. Of, I, I mean, you don't even have to have to think about that. But sometimes, you know, we're on like a life purpose. So, how do you mm-hmm. think this? Um, is that service yeah. of humanity? That's a pretty big question. How do you think your life is at service mm-hmm. of humanity? No, it is. <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it's a good question though. And like, I think, I think that it's not, I think that it's not necessarily correlated to mm. being able to live a, a happier or better life. Uh, having all this information I actually think there's almost no correlation I think Mm. it's just for fun to find out and just for curiosity to find out because I think that if you were removed from this information but if you still had this some some philosophy on life that had to do with you know living in the moment or cherishing the moment or or allowing yourself to get to feel happy and to not you know to to make your life um meaningful in the ways that are like just on this planet and just in front of you and Mm. meaningful to your soul then I think you don't even you know then in that case the information wouldn't matter and I think that there is obviously an aspect with like technology and you know improving and or like as a species maybe there's a different impact because of our you know just evolving in, in consciousness and as a species But um, I think, you know, maybe on the smaller scale in terms of, you know, individually day to day, because I I think that you don't have to have a thirst for any of this knowledge um, to appreciate, you know, the beauty that's in front of you or to appreciate your life. I think there is almost no correlation with that, (laughs) which Mm. is funny. But I think it's more (laughs) of, you know, the I'm like, it's not important. (laughs) But 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 what for you? But let's say that for you, it's Mm. it's in direct correlation, though, because it's like something Mm -hmm. that you're obviously passionate about it. So like like just studying it is is Mm -hmm. would say that makes your human experience better. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I have this insatiable need to know or just Mm -hmm. it's it's motive it's motivating me you know it's I think that there is usually because things are always moving and because things are always in momentum like there is always going to be some factor moving you from point a to point b and so it depends on what that is for you you know everyone Mm -hmm. has their different factors that's that's moving them across the line in in life and there always has to be something because things are things are always in motion so i think there's that too Mm. yeah how what do you think is the the main um not necessarily purpose but um yeah kind of like the, the main goal of of um human existence from a point of view first that wouldn't be let's say you 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 you're not opening it to the world to the spiritual world if mm-hmm. let's say you cut that window for a second yeah what do you think because the probabilities to here and now being alive are, are like there's, there's like zero right like it's insanely low um what do you think is is 
is purpose. do you think is there like a, a, a meaning or any kind of like purpose um if you remove spirituality because i i can't really because it's like i'm interesting from just yeah. your scientific uh point yeah. of view i know like knowing I, the chances are like mm-hmm, zero right. <laughs> yeah if you if you remove that that part That's what I I can't think of much either other than experiencing. I mean, people that don't, you know, there's plenty of people that don't believe in anything or there maybe that, you know, maybe that don't believe in the afterlife or don't believe that Mm -hmm. anything happens beyond this planet or that anything exists beyond this planet, but that use that instead to have help them enjoy whatever is in front of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the purpose of life is pleasure Mm. uh always and then i Mm. think that you know you can apply i think that you can uh, i think yeah i guess it would be like if you cut off the spirituality side it would just be pure pleasure right and then that makes me think it it kind of brings me back to the mentality of the lower chakras the survival you know the Mm. the survival mechanism uh aspect of surviving uh and and pleasure you know those kind of two the basic basic needs kinds of things and Mm -hmm. then when you add the spirituality in that's when you get into the lessons and having it have a deeper meaning you know that's when you get into oh the purpose is is for lessons and and for expansion Mm -hmm. uh but again that would always be needing to move you from some point a to point b which is the expansion of the universe and and the expansion of of you know soul souls growing Mm -hmm. yeah we're all like everything is energy right mm-hmm. and i it's one thing you know because i was really i was when i was in high school and stuff i was hating math and physics it was really not mm-hmm. uh <laughs> the kind of stuff i was into but i remember one thing that that stuck in my mind it's so so funny the the teacher uh saying one kind of the first thing as the introduction was uh this line of like nothing is lost nothing is creating everything transforms yeah. right yep and it's yep. the only thing that that i remember from <laughs> years of uh, of high school mm-hmm. is the only thing and so you talked a little bit about the you mentioned the the afterlife like when you know that everything is energy and and uh there's like energy can't like it transforms into into things like what do you think happens uh what what are your thoughts on the afterlife and and in that Mm -hmm. regard just even just in a i was gonna say scientifically i mean do you think the brain creates consciousness or consciousness creates the brain yeah that's the yeah i think consciousness creates the uh well, I think consciousness, I think the consciousness animates the, mm-hmm. animates the body, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, I think there is, I think there really is a physical energy exchange that, that happens when the soul, and I think it's, I think it's really purely physical in terms of the soul leaves the body and the, the, yeah, the soul leaves the body and, but that energy goes somewhere and i think because it's can't be because it can't be uh that energy 
doesn't have uh it's actually kind of just coming to me now it's like it's like that because um we perceive it as not here because just that energy alone doesn't have a place in our physical reality anymore when it's not animating a body but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist in the subtle energy realms. But because we live in a physical universe, right, a physical earth plane, then the only 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 an energy that is, um, yeah, that's capable of inhabiting something physical would be able to make make sense to us. But so I think it's kind of like once that energy conversion is done, that's what gives us the illusion of uh, disappearance or the you know the illusion of loss. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it really simply is an energy form, but then I think there's another level that it's not just the energy floating here. I think that, and that's where you get to the deeper spiritual side that we maybe don't really fully understand. And I think it's returned back to source or, or, you know, it's, it's returned back to, um, to some, to some place, I think Mm. in between incarnations, I think there is kind of this, um, this place, but I, um, my, my, my psychic teacher who's been, you know, teaching me, um, all these things, like she always talks about how, um, we can feel our life force energy and we can feel our soul. And if you're very still, like you can feel it the most in, um, uh, on your lips, like you, when you feel just something like kind of buzzing in your lips and she always has us do these cool exercises, which is awesome because I just feel like people don't often enough like remember that they are being animated by something energetically Mm -hmm. and you can feel it and if you're and if you're quiet or if you kind of just go into stillness and you can send your your energy or your thought into the tips of your fingers and you can feel your fingers buzzing and that's how you feel your soul and that's how you know that you're animated by an energy because even when you're dormant or something even though obviously our hearts are still pumping while we're alive but you can feel that energy like in the at the tips of, of your mm-hmm. fingers or in your lips or something and you can just feel that tingle and that's your life force energy and it's cool yeah because the so the 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 spirit the spirit theory is that uh, we we are as humans right now we're just a an extension of our soul that is in another dimension and it's kind of this life or energy that is controlling our body and that mm-hmm. is that third aspect of body yeah. mind and 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 soul right um, i agree yeah and right uh, and it's like we're it's a fragmented aspect because our soul mm-hmm. is is bigger and and when we incarnate we basically just send off a piece of ourselves into into mm-hmm. the body because it's not the whole soul because our soul is more pervasive than that and it can be and our and consciousness can split and consciousness can be in more than one place uh at, at once and mm-hmm. so it's it is kind of just like just an an aspect of us that's sent down into this incarnate into this incarnation right it's interesting the when you said like when you close your eyes because the thing is so easy we have our eyes like everything is here mm-hmm. in our head, so we feel like we live in our mm-hmm. head, kind of, right? But yep, like, yep. as the moment you, you you close your eyes and you yes you you try to I mean it's like um, astral travel or or, mm-hmm. or all these these things. It's understanding that your 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 awareness and your consciousness is way more yeah. than it's not like just here. 
Exactly. And that's why I think there's so much to the eyes and so much to so much to the two way interaction that happens when we open our eyes mm. and when we're observing your reality, because when you're not and when your eyes are closed, you might as well be anywhere. Mm hmm right like yeah how are you gonna argue with that logic like you really can't like, yeah. <laughs> like when your eyes are closed like you might as well be anywhere yeah if you're not so, observing anything totally there's something uh i just i saw a little while ago that i really want to do these are dark retreats oh, where yeah, you do several those. days with with there's actually one in uh, oregon and there's i know a second one in, in germany actually oh, yeah. where you go you do more or less days so like some people do a week you can do three days or four days, but complete dark and also no contact, right? Like you have somebody that, that brings you a, a meal a day and that, is, <laughs> and that is it. And this, I think I really want to try it at least one time because yeah. like, fuck, like no, this I've is... I've heard of that. That would be like freaky, but but really cool. Yeah. Like, sounds boring. <laughs> it <laughs> is like, I just, yeah, like it recenters you. Like you really, totally. like this is like yeah. the, the expression, like you're by your uh, alone with yourself <laughs> and mm. you can go over everything and uh, yep. all these people that are doing it when they when they remove it like they cry and then, yes. like, it's, it's insane yeah i've seen some videos on instagram yeah. of, peop of people like removing it and just having these yeah that's got to be crazy yeah. that's like wow and that's something that can yeah you can you have to completely do that to simulate it you can't just meditate for an hour and be like oh i think i know what it's like to you know <laughs> yeah. but anytime you know anytime i do do an hour long meditation or something i'm always like wow that was so cool that was that yeah. was great like i never really give myself like a full hour to do that often but it's like that's nothing compared yeah. like can you imagine like yeah just Insane, even yeah. yeah when i meditate for an hour i'm like wow i, I mm. feel pretty calm and i remember that i'm a soul but imagine how much you're going to remember that you're a soul oh, <laughs> if yeah. uh, like that's kind of what i always say too about meditation is like and and that's also with the closing your eyes it's like when you are observing your reality for a bit too long you forget you forget oh, yeah that it's just a that it's just a you know a projection from your eyeballs um, mm, <laughs> and totally. that's why you know yeah that's why coming back to meditation is pretty much in my opinion to remember that you're a soul to not get too carried away with this mm. life yeah yeah especially right now like the overstimulation yeah, yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah. what we were saying in this other the, the last episode is just like it's just too much and it goes worse and worse and i think one of the biggest challenges for for us as human is going to be able the one who see through this going to be able to transmit that to kids and to quickly mm -hmm. not necessarily protect but to quickly uh, find ways to transmit this wisdom of like the world around you is 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 different there's two different things there's your own world your internal mm -hmm. world and the external world yeah and if you don't know this if you're not aware about this if you know if you don't know that like you don't have to participate and react in everything and anything all the time you just get you just become a, a zombie yeah. and you just become a slave of this hustle modern society that is mm -hmm. uh, yeah Never and like lately too i've been focused a lot on just the energetics of the aura and how you know your aura it, it, doing maintenance you know energetic yeah. maintenance on your aura and really just coming back to realizing that your or the only thing you really have control over is your own aura and you can mm -hmm. create this energetic bubble around you uh and 
there's so much power that we have though over our own yeah. aura and we with our just with our mind and just using you know intentions to or cutting cords or all this stuff like we we are the we're are in control of our own aura and our own energy and we can use the power of magic and intention to program it and to you know and to clear it and to energize it and all these mm-hmm. things and that's that's the boundary between your and ener- your world which is your energy body and the rest of the world and there is and you know it's charging up your or charging up your magnetism and and all of these things and and just that's what i've really been focused a lot or just thinking so much about that lately like mm. because magic is real and because yeah. it is real that you can use your intention to cut cords from something that's draining you and you'll feel better because that's also real like let's use it more you know like For let's sure focus on using that because that's what you're in control over you can't control someone else's aura it's coming from your aura is coming from within you and it's coming from your heart field and Mm. you know and it's also yeah it's it's just it's the boundary of how we interact with with everything and it extends out like six to ten feet so yeah you know clean it up (laughs) yeah totally it's because we make you we lie to you telling you that you don't have to, you because everything is just it's a you can't consent or not to like everything it's just mm-hmm. that everything has consequences is cause and, and effect i can decide to not participate in the society anymore and, and right. live like a hermit there's mm-hmm. consequences with that but i can't do it and it's all about you know knowing that that you are like you said in, in control and you have the power yeah. to say yes or no mm-hmm. and say more often no to everything i'm just kidding <laughs> but like it's it's just yeah um um i had something else it's going to come back yes so I've, I've heard you talked a little bit about let's get back i just want to get back a little bit on the on this planet Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you even though that this actually can reach more than that for sure but like you, you talked a little bit about a, a divine uh, feminine uh, mm-hmm. the feminine and the masculine energy and like this, how this is tied to humans and how we navigate this is something i'm very uh, yeah not necessarily passionate about but i'm very uh it's like lies in there like keys massive keys to live in in peace exactly. and harmony mm-hmm. um uh how well first of all how do you uh, where do you think that comes from? And we were talking about truth and like, do you think that there's there's a, a fundamental truth of like, this is the feminine, this is the mm-hmm. masculine and, and what is your uh, yeah. point of view on that? That's a big I question. do because, and it's, it's kind of just been more so like a downloaded thought that has um, been, become very apparent to me lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more so that this idea like found me, you know, just really thinking about it and just realizing how um, important this concept of masculine and, and feminine is, because I think though they're in two in a way. Um, it's not that different from just dividing from just saying things like two different things like uh, light and dark, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like binary ones and zeros. I, I think it's not that far off from that. But I do think that um, and, and like outward inward. Right. It's it's I think it's all in the same similar category of opposing energies. But I do think that um, 
the whole aspect of feminine and masculine is something that's more tangible to us as humans and it's more relevant to us because that's you know that's our emotions and that's the way that we're that we're designed and we're split up into these into these two genders and all these things and I think that um you know and I've, I talk a lot about this on my Instagram and on clips uh, on my Instagram like the, what the way that I perceive these different meanings of of feminine and I try to uh, feminine and masculine and trying to like put a physics put more of a physics meaning to mm. each of them and the way that I see feminine is sort of this like chaos frequency like this randomization this ex- randomization expansion that mm. is this uh, uncontained like wild uh expansive energy and um and then the masculine energy would be grounding it in and another way too is the the feminine is like the expansion of the universe and the masculine is that dark energy negative pressure that's containing it that's Mm. pulling it back just just enough for it to exist just enough for them to Mm. coexist um but it's still you have both and they're both equally valid and I think um, I think it's it's more so about it's the way it's one of the ways that we're we as humans are meant to understand the way that energy divides itself and the way that energy manifests itself and plays out like in our human incarnations and in our emotional bodies. I think there is an aspect to it that's yeah re- very relevant to us and the way that we're designed and the way that we have these upper chakras that are that split by our central heart magnetic uh, our heart chakra which is the center of our magnetic field and then the lower chakras that kind of ground us down to earth and um and the meanings of you know these and how these upper chakras have this more expressive you know cosmic uh seeing through energy whereas mm-hmm. the lower ones are, are grounding us and also get back to these like instinctual things like survival and like the sacral sex chakra uh, like re- procreation and all these things like there's an aspect i just think you can go so deep in terms of the meanings of these mm-hmm. right it's like this masculine is mm-hmm. this yeah this this survival uh this survival grounding rooted in reality energy and then the feminine is is this expansive but they but they both coexist in us, right? And we have the yeah. the feminine and masculine side of the brain. We have these two sides of the brain. And so it's like it's like there's something with all of it happening where they're meant to all coexist in one container, which is mm-hmm. us, because we have a bit of both. Yeah. And um yeah, and and I don't know if it either even necessarily like is you know defined by like your technical gender because we obviously know that we have a mix of masculine and feminine energies and you go through different phases of your life where you're expressing more as one or the other and um yeah i just think it's so interesting and i think that the way that i've been thinking about it lately is back to that kind of idea of of fundamental truth and that i do think that there's a truth to it and the way that I see it is like it could be a really important concept of of bridging like the science and the spirituality is is just leaning into like trying to unpack what it what it means. And I've thought about like what's a feminine or masculine expression of an astronomical body or, you mm. know, of a galaxy. Is it like is it like a supernova outward expression is like a more feminine expression? Mm. Um 
And then you have these other collapsing inward forces. And like I said, it's similar to like out and in, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, expand, expanding contraction. It's like all these natural things. So I even have been wondering myself, like with the extent of like the like, what does it even mean? The feminine and masculine. And that's where I think it maybe is more relevant to us as humans and just the way that we have come to understand it, you know, because we have a meaning to each of those. Yeah. Yeah. I even think that we, there's a, depending on each human, there's a, a, a different base. I think there's a base balance on each human of, of how much we, we have. Mm-hmm. And then depending on also what kind of activity we're engaging in, we're, we're, we're switching into more one or right. a, another. But I have this, this kind of like theory of, uh, because I think that's all, I think, what I think I think is that we've been put here, and the human experience is just that it's literally just like we'll 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 put some kind of blindfold on on you, and we just want you to fucking figure it out and stop like hitting each mm-hmm. other and start just like living yeah, harmony. And yeah. and uh, and I see all these things about um, you know I think I, I literally think, by example, uh, transgenderism is 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 like an, an, an expression of that and it's literally there to also open uh, the mind on this and to also challenge the acceptance and challenge the, yeah. the, the, the this this ego that like um, we need to transcend like it's it's literally this like we need mm-hmm. to just like understand and accept things and figure it out on how to uh, yeah live like- together and we're through how unique like because we're all the same they're all unique and mm-hmm. and the challenge is just like yeah how do we this not is, destruct uh the this earth is exactly the... what i was just saying on um the episode uh, of my podcast that we um talked about the aliens and the recent stuff with ets and i sort of got what felt like this this profound um download while we were recording that which was about how it's it's like um it was a it's about how you know part of our evolution is getting because we have had that blindfold over us part of our evolution is getting back to that pure soul or getting back not not to that pure soul because we wouldn't be here if we weren't supposed to experience the limitations mm-hmm. of being human so i think there's you know there's no need to bypass that um because yeah. we're supposed to have these limitations of being in a physical body but there's something to uh in terms of what we've lost a little bit is this uh is, is our connection to our intuition and that's the that's the whole reason why anyone would want to wake up in this lifetime or remember their spirituality is as having a direct access connection to your intuition and part of that is being able to feel another person's another being's intentions and being able to feel another's energy without um without anything to do with their looks or their words or anything because it's possible to deceive and that's what we've learned right in all of this awakening and all of everything that's been going on on this planet it's very possible to deceive and and that's where you have the boundary between the physical and the energetic Mm -hmm. when when you're being told something or when the news is saying one thing but you're feeling another and you're being told to go against your intuition we're learning to get back to our intuition right and so it's um 
It's like this learning to get back to not needing anything physical or yeah, not needing anything physical to inform you of something, which includes not needing another person's physical differences to inform you of their intentions, but you being able to know it and to feel it and getting back to that that clear sentience or getting back to that pure feeling of of uh you know connecting with your intuition and i think that's a big part of why this stuff with the disclosure and the ets is happening is for our evolution of of getting humanity back closer to a level of just knowing feeling you know Mm. feeling energy as opposed to needing as opposed to needing something to be accurate as opposed to reading something and believing it you know bypassing that and getting into your intuition yeah true yeah it would be cool to start talking about intuition at school and and yeah and things like right. that. Right. And it's it, that's what I feel like it's this weird blurred line between and that's exactly what this whole thing with the awakening and and like misinformation mm. and disinformation and all this stuff is it's like um how can you be trusted to if you're if you're seeing all these different things like how can you be trusted to create the truth for yourself based on your own feelings and it's a lot of people have not been able to trust themselves to do that and so they're relying on other things and i think that's kind of just like the core crux of this whole spiritual journey and and a part of the phase of the evolution that humans are in right now is is like how is bypassing that physical reality to get into what can't be refuted which is Mm -hmm. your own knowing yeah but everything looks so real though (laughs) (laughs) that's funny Um, it does look so real and yeah um so what do you think you so now with uh, like all what you have and you're getting into uh um how do you call that like uh, exploring your psychic abilities and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that do, do you have like some kind of direction some kind of main purpose some kind of like core thing that you think is meant for you here that that uh you are like a, a why, like a a direction, a, a some kind of purpose that you have, uh, and that makes sense. Or right now, you think you are still like putting on the pe- the pieces together, but you can't see it completely. Yeah, I think where... it's a bit more of that. I think for me, it's just a knowing that it's. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I know at least the path in front of me, and I know that I'm supposed to be putting the pieces together and so that's kind of yeah that's that's Sorry. basically um what i'm what i'm doing you know just working on putting putting the pieces together and um i think yeah kind of just trust it's it's about trusting that unseen and trusting the unknown guidance like when you don't when you know that you're supposed to be doing something but you don't necessarily know why yet and and stuff like that and kind of just um yeah just just trusting that unknown feeling what i've what, really been doing what helps you having this faith into like trusting something that you you mm. can't see or or you know do you have any any things that helps you well well spirituality generally speaking i found like it's something that helps navigate life for sure but mm-hmm. but um do you have any other things that helps you connect more with this intuition with like 
have more faith into or accept more like the unseen path or the you know, unknown or stuff it's like that? like i feel like what what it is that helps me is just the knowing just like this is a circular answer but just like i don't know it's what it is for me is that it's like my mind bypasses to the end it's like i i just know very deeply that there that this is the way that the universe works that there is some you know hidden that there's these hidden things or there's this um you know that there's a bigger that there's a bigger picture to the story um and kind of like knowing because i guess but because i get i got to that point because i like there's no way that it could be this whole coincidence of things it's just you know but i think that a lot of people have this like have this belief like they do know at their core it's just a matter of the difficulty of enacting it in in life right but Mm. i feel like like at the end of the day i'm still i still go back to well like you know how it works like i know i know roughly the way the energetics of things and that you know sometimes you have to like you know follow the unseen or or kind of um trust this but so so there's that that's kind of like even though day to day sometimes it's hard it's hard to trust it's like at the end of the day i don't like what's the alternative thinking that this is all a coincidence and this is all random and thinking you know and and thinking that that none of this has any deeper meaning like Mm -hmm. swinging the pendulum the other way like you know what's it what's the alternative to believing Mm -hmm. that everything is connected and happening for a reason and that i am, am on a divinely guided unseen path the alternative is that it's all bullshit and that none of it's connected and that that it's all like a coincidence and i'm like well i don't believe that so it has to be this other thing and kind of just, you know, leaning into that. Um, yeah. But it's been it's definitely been a journey. Like, you know, I really have been working on my own self-trust for my my spiritual abilities and, and connections with that. And I, I think I have made some breakthroughs in the last in the last few months. And a lot of it is in terms of developing your intuition, though, it is trial by fire. You have to um, like what I've really learned and found is that um you have to act because because this is a physical reality and there's like there's actions that have to um foster future reactions um you have to act on intuitive intuitive things and get that feedback it's like a feedback system too you know so that is actually the only way to build Mm self-trust and this is what i've learned from just developing my my psychic channeling abilities recently and practicing readings on people is literally having then that first vision comes to my mind feeling like i have no idea if it's right or not but saying it anyway and then Mm -hmm. later getting the confirmation from that person that that was right Mm -hmm. and feeling that really scary feeling of like what if that was all made up and like not know you know that that really when you really get down to it that tiny leap of faith that is trusting your intuition there has to be uh there has to be an action uh taken either on an you know on an intuitive idea because this is 
uh, we the universe is like a feedback system and so you take mm-hmm. one step and the universe arranges itself around you and then you take another step and there's a there's like another calculation mm-hmm. that's done and you get the feedback so um that's what i would say in terms of like trusting the intuition and everything there really needs to be like there's no way to develop your intuition if there's no action step or if there's never if there's never a moment that you like trust something and act on something even though you weren't sure then you're not getting anywhere and then nothing's happening you know Mm. like you're always is gonna have to be some moment where you take something and you act on it or you take something that you really have you're terrified is completely wrong or you completely was not your intuition at all like there's yeah. actually always going to be that moment. And that's what I learned recently. I learned that there's no there's no getting around that. I was really hoping there was a way to get around that. But I've learned that there's not a way to get around that, I don't think. And that's what I've been kind of learning to develop my mm-hmm. intuition. And just you have to take some step of acting on it to get the feedback and I think that is how the non—I I think that's how the non-physical energetic world interacts with us. And there's a there's a belief, there's a trust that's built with that. But you're not going to ever be able to develop that self-trust mm-hmm. just like having, you know, you're never going to have a security of the answer. It's it's only mm-hmm. going to come about with trial and error. Yeah, yeah, totally. Something that you said also earlier that can help with that is the uh, trusting that if you do this anyway, like nothing wrong can happen. Mm-hmm. Like nothing, right. like having faith into the fact that if you follow your intuition, um, it should only realign yourself with what you're you're supposed to do. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, I agree. I, I don't think there's a wrong, there's a wrong step. It's just, it's just feedback. It's feedback mm-hmm. on, on what the step was. Yeah. What is um and then wait what is it yeah what what is something I just want to ask something what is uh something that you hope improves uh in this I'm not gonna say world generally speaking but let, let's stay on the Western society <laughs> uh, what is something that you know how do you think moving forward uh we should implement some 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 things to to uh, to improve as a as a society does that question mm-hmm. make sense yeah so what I do think... you like would you like to see you know moving yeah. forward 50 years 100 years whatever like just near future or a little longer what would is something that you'd like to see i think there needs to be um more leaders from that more leaders that speak from the heart and with Mm. vulnerability because Mm. it's you know and i i think and hope that that's what the spiritual era is ushering in people that can speak from a place uh people that can lead from a place of leadership but also have extreme vulnerability and really are leading from a heart and from from the heart and from this yeah and from this place of of acceptance because i Mm. think i really don't think that we have um much of that right now in all different facets of society because everyone is always hiding something Mm. and it's only when you're willing to 
not hide anything anymore you know and that's really just what I've I've learned so much just from you know I had yeah we didn't really uh talk about it but I had yeah I had some stuff with addiction like in the end of graduate school and then I ended up speaking about it and I kind of just burst the shame bubble and I Mm. um you know I spoke about it on my podcast and now I speak about it openly and and I just think um once you it's once you get to a, a point where you really aren't hiding anything or don't have anything to hide it just completely shifts your vibration and i think that we need more leaders that are coming from a place of having nothing to hide yeah yeah holy shit yeah it's it's (laughs) massive i felt the exact same way like it's funny because i would have said the exact same thing yeah uh yeah i think that's how we, we change and um and especially like in math and science and everything too and that's why i really um and i think i like robert edward grant has has said something similar to this and that's why i really love him too because you know he has this brilliant mind but it's also and it's coming around math and and consciousness but then he also has this like yeah deep like love aspect in in -hmm. the way that he speaks and it's kind of just this completely different side um and i feel like it's different than some of the current leaders or people i don't know you know there are people that you that um or maybe it's more so like maybe it's just in certain sectors you know because of course like Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm thinking i'm thinking like you know like lovable tv hosts or you know Mm -hmm. uh, people that have their own tv show or things that people like that 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 people view as living from the heart or that people view them as you know very moral and and caring and i think maybe it's just other a lot of other sectors in life like need to have um that leadership to show you know that it's that it's possible to have to have both and i think that also stems from you know my history with academia and just seeing all these stern leaders and seeing all these stern people that don't show any of their vulnerability Mm. and that don't show any of their weakness and i don't think it's good for us yeah. <laughs> i don't yeah. think it was good for me but it was you know what's good or what's bad it was all part mm-hmm. of my process and life but i think that that could be an interesting change of events mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because then if you see this you kind of have well you have that feeling of like oh that's what i'm supposed to be as well and mm-hmm. th- or that's the goal or like it's to be that stern figure or whatever mm-hmm. or that's whether it's uh, it's not really but yeah I, I totally agree. I really like that. I think it, it's a lot tied to something we were saying at the beginning of the competition aspect of life is losing the fear, losing the the, the, the feeling that you have to compete or losing that sense that the, the, the world is attacking you. It's against yeah. you. Yeah. Whereas it's just like, and, and when you lose all those things, you, you're one thing you said yeah, yeah. is really good. Um, the, once you have nothing more, nothing left to hide, you feel differently. It's a, like the vibration is different. It's, it's completely yes. different, and you lose that sense of that you have to protect yourself anymore. And that, and this is oh. when th- things are are flowing way better. And 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 like there's a real, real, real before and after that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there's something, and and I know because I I've experienced it, and I think you have too, right? Because you've been pretty yeah. vulnerable about certain things. Like I've I've experienced that going from having mm. something really big to hide because anyone with addiction knows that you have a lot to hide if you're ever in that position, 
And going from having something really big to hide to to then eventually having really nothing to hide, <laughs> it is a huge mm. vibrational shift, mm. right? And oh, I yeah. think it's a lot of it is even intangible or unspoken. I mm. think most of it is unspoken. It's just yeah. you just live differently when you have nothing to hide. Hundred percent. Yeah, and this whole idea of com- of the no competition, and I love the way that things are moving into with you know new earth and and just the, it is true that there doesn't need to be competition, and and that's a it's an old paradigm, and you know if every single soul is unique, then it has its own path, and there really mm-hmm. is you know place for for everyone, and I I love this. Yeah, I I feel like obviously there's so many new souls and people and coming up online in these spaces and i do feel like a lot of people um are now embodying or starting to embody that idea that we don't that there is no competition you know Mm -hmm. it's just just collaboration totally and it's 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 um just well i mean we can it because it's i think it's really tied into that same thing of intuition and it's because the system wants to put all of us in the same thing so we're all the same so yes mm-hmm. we compete right and once you start following your intuition you're going to be on that unique path and then you're going to be able to leverage how unique you are and then all of a sudden you're somewhere where there's no one can compete with you because mm-hmm. you followed such a unique path and 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 leveraging all this intu- yes. intuitive things that then you break this 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 fear and this competition aspect mm-hmm. um it's all linked, I've found, like it's all rooted into just like tuning in and listening to your intuition and, and the expression of unicity of all humans. Yeah. And not like falling for the cases we want to put, the boxes we want to Right, we right. And it also is yeah. believing it's different when you actually believe in infinity and when you believe that there is enough for everyone and mm. there is not you know and that's that's what's really undercutting the whole thing of of the lack mentality or of the competition is thinking that there's not enough for everyone but are if we live in an infinite or extremely abundant universe then you should yeah. know that there is enough for everyone totally. more than enough <laughs> yeah what's an easy do you think like science has doors that opens on spirituality and what do you think are things that you can transmit since you have these both things to the science world that the one that can be closed to spirituality what are things that you think uh, you can do uh, or you would say that can help some you know, science people that are, that would be open, but I just can't, Mm that just can't grasp it. Yes. uh, If there would be. Yeah. I think the most important thing is the electromagnetism and, and magnetic fields Mm -hmm. is the Mm -hmm. biggest thing that is linking science and spirituality. And so what electromagnetic, an electromagnetic or a magnetic field is generated from a moving particle, from a moving charged particle. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, our electromagnetic field in our body is created from our heart pumping blood and moving around ions like move there's ions moving in our heart that are creating our magnetic field and every other and all other celestial bodies have a magnetic field too from their spinning and so from from basically you know objects like the sun and the earth 
uh, from their rotation. There's some molten like plasma in the center that's being rotated and that's generating a magnetic field. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is generating our aura of humans and it, and it's, you know, and it's extends out um, and the whole magnetic field that's enclosing the earth and the sun and everything. And then also, for instance, when we ground with the earth and, you know, all the science and benefits of grounding, putting your bare feet on the ground, you're literally exchanging electrons with the mm-hmm. earth. There is an exchange of particles. So there is a base level, a base scientific level that I would say is the most important to start with is the magnetic fields and the fact that um, it's controlling our, it's part of our subtle energy body in a way. It's, um, it's, yeah, there's, there's to the extent of the, the physicality to it, you know, there it's, it's very physical and, um, and then so it, it appears in these in these different bodies. And the other thing is that uh, the shape of our electromagnetic field is toroidal. So it kind of generates this giant lo- elongated donut tor- uh, torus shape. And mm. that shape then also appears uh, all in plenty of other locations, too, like around it's the same shape of the magnetic field around astronomical bodies, but also around black holes in the centers of um, galaxies this was a bit of what my thesis research was on we end up having this like toroidal donut shape of uh, dust that's like around the black hole and so all of these shapes are are repeating themselves um, throughout nature and and everything and just the way that um, and it's all and it's all about our, our magnetic field and I would say that anything that's generating magnetic field uh, has a soul and has consciousness and that's what I would say is really the direct co- connection and I think the reason for that is um, it's it's the portal it, a black hole is um, in a way punctured space time from what we understand it as as now it's it's uh it's a zero point energy it's like it doesn't uh it's 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 a transition it's Mm. where it's where something that can't make sense to us can reside and can enter and exit from potentially Mm. and so it's like the black hole or like this so yeah it's it's this um or just wherever is like this originating this central point of our magnetic field and all this stuff it's this uh it transcends space and time that's what a portal does Mm. and so if the center of our hearts is transcending space and time then that's where our you know that's where things that are beyond space and time like our soul is going to enter and and you know that's that's where things like that are going to reside or that that's where that spark happens that makes it such that we have a soul because it's it's originating from the fact that we have a magnetic field mm-hmm. and so i think that that is really kind of one of a big crux of where consciousness intersects with spirituality and i think that um, there are these magnetic interactions that are happening and i think there's also like this plasma in the universe and in in quote-unquote empty space and uh astronomical bodies and and planets are exchanging electrons with each other too and so there is this physical particle exchange and magnetic fields are kind of poorly understood in uh in astronomy 
and in science in general, they are definitely fall under the category of less understood than things like gravity, magnetic interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another reason that makes me know uh, something that makes me like definitely know that that's where that's a bit closer to where the intersection with consciousness is. And um, yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, magnetic fields, you, you can't you can't deny and no, no one is going to deny that 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 these astronomical bodies have a magnetic field and, and no one can deny that the heart has a magnetic field. Mm. So if we are not separate, if, if we have a similar composition to the earth and we have a soul and we're animated, why wouldn't the earth have a soul? You know, we mm. all have a magnetic field. So there's there's a lot of particle exchanges that are that are happening that's part of the uh the subtle energy body and stuff like that nice yeah this is why you feel different or this is why you can feel when you're with different people Mm -hmm. right like it's it's and when someone walks into the room and your eyes are closed right or if someone's just behind you and you don't Mm -hmm. hear them you feel them things Mm -hmm. like that you know you can't you can't deny the existence of that yeah totally where is the what is the i was gonna say where to start studying astronomy for younger people that 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 wants to to start Mm -hmm. that is it Hmm. good question do you have any like channel or content or things around that is like that you know that is like introduction to to get in into this or or not much hmm. you know not really <laughs> not that <laughs> i yeah I, I don't know but the, i mean there are plenty of you know there's a lot of great videos on on youtube and there's like a lot of good um youtube channels i'm sure for kind of introductory uh introductory stuff w- with that Um, I think there's, you know, there's so many resources that are available to us and and the internet and everything these days. Um, And yeah, I think I think there's definitely like a lot a lot of things um, that exist to to start looking into. But it's just, you know, it's I think it's cool when when someone is, you know, fascinated with it and, and and pulled to it. And I think it's such a unique type of like spark of curiosity and that's, you know, like what I was saying before about the astronomers in my department. And I'm actually also like mentoring two uh, high school girls right now mm. on research, too. And, you know, I can tell that the they kind of have that that spark within them or which was the only reason that they're doing this with me. And it's like, you know, just there's just something about the universe to certain people, I think. And I don't understand why everyone's not like this, but I guess mm-hmm. I'll never understand <laughs> that. I can only understand my own brain. Um that is just so you know it's overwhelming but Mm. there is something for some people that really just pulls you in and it's that like need to know more right it's like like i just need to know and so if you find yourself with that curiosity then it doesn't you know there's no real center of the universe it doesn't really matter where you start Mm. (laughs) you can start anywhere (laughs) right basically um yeah like you said at the beginning wherever you'll start you'll actually start from the from the from the center right yeah exactly exactly uh, <laughs> last question last question and, and then and then i think we're we're good how what are the probabilities that in our lifetime uh, 
the 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 earth enters in collision with uh, something and we all disappear uh, like uh, is, the probability is non-zero but i think it's pretty low well for okay people always ask me if the earth is going to get sucked into a black hole let me clarify oh, a few yeah. things here one <laughs> black holes do not suck so you have to be very very close to the event horizon of a black hole to be in its gravitational sphere of influence um they black holes are also very the event horizons of black holes are very very tiny so i mean in the in the milky way galaxy we have the supermassive black hole that's at our center and then we have there might be other black holes kind of lingering around that would be remnants of stars like stars that have gone to uh that have ended their lives in supernova and then kind of collapse onto themselves into a black hole but just to say that um with how big space is and how tiny the radii of black holes are um it's very unikely that the earth would get sucked into a black hole i just want to clarify mm. that because good. a lot That's of people know. you know a lot of people ask that in terms of other collisions with uh asteroids and other space junk you know there's a non-zero probability mm -hmm. that something could happen but yeah. i think it's kind of small and it seems like we have some good technology these days to detect these things or deflect them right yeah we would know before yeah i think so yeah yeah sounds good well we'll not we will not all disappear into a black hole that's good to know yeah, um, no your odds of getting sucked into a black hole are extremely yeah. small yeah good awesome um alisa thank you very much for all this uh, of course that was a cool conversation yeah so um, much in there got some yeah. lessons on star formation and <laughs> for those who are interested to uh, follow up with you i'll put your uh, podcast because you talk more in depth about all these things where we, there's so much we can get into yeah uh, just one conversation <laughs> so i'll put all that for those who are interested to know more about you and what you do and uh yeah that's pretty much it thank you very much yeah thank you so much for having me